All right, man. So I've been thinking here lately, and this is the mm-hmm. kind of thing that's just a cute scenario that I've thought up. I think it'd be really funny to us outsiders that aren't a part of the situation. And it's also the kind of thing that if somebody wanted to, just, you know, not putting ideas into people's heads here, but if somebody wanted to, they could probably go online and spread around some fake propaganda to get this to happen. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. Okay. Of course, our nation is now completely chock-a-block full of degenerate, idiot, white supremacists, right? Right, yeah, we got a ton of them. They get together, they have their little rallies, their get-togethers and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking it would be kind of funny if, whenever they have these great big rallies and get-togethers and stuff like that, if they only listen to the whitest music possible. Okay. So whenever you see, you know, you've got like a hundred of these guys in a line and they're all like throwing up the Heil Hitler salute or something. Right. But then behind them blaring on loudspeakers is, drops of Jupiter in a ear, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, they would love it. I mean, you furiously know. waving a Nazi flag and behind it you hear, <laughs> Mr. Jones and me. me. I don't know, because Adam Duritz's dreadlocks is probably just not enough white for them. That's true. That's a little too ethnic for their taste, Also, right? I believe he is Jewish, so they probably oh, okay. would have a problem with that as well. Okay, okay. Well, I'll backtrack then, and maybe they're waving that flag to the to the soundtrack of, It's been one week since you looked at me. But they're Canadian. I mean... Yeah, it's true. It's kind of the... the, I mean, Canadian people are white people, too. So I guess white supremacists aren't (laughs) (laughs) anti-Canadian. I don't even think it, too. Like, at the end of the night, after a a long day of just raging and being stupid as fuck... Right. um, You know, they're all wrapping up. It's time to shut it down and go home. Mm -hmm. Closing time. (laughs) And you, you get these big burly guys put their arms around each other and be like, man, there's just something about this song. <laughs> oh, I mean, it'd make it all a little, it would really just kind of take the fangs off the whole thing, wouldn't right. it? I, th- I think any picture of white supremacists takes the fangs out of it. It's yeah. pretty, pretty clear they're not the uh, supreme race. Yeah, pretty yeah. clear. Pretty clear. Welcome, dead and lovely <laughs> <Hey>. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> to the brand newest installment of your favoriteest horror movie review podcast and all the known multiverse, why it's dead and lovely, here with the host of the most, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And we are here doing our traditional yearly wild card in honor of Harry Potter's birthday. Yeah. We've been doing this for four years now, which is pretty mind-blowing, and every year around this time, we like to put aside our love of horrific flicks and sit down and talk shit about a Harry Potter movie. And uh, that's what you're getting today. We're going to be talking real shitty about Harry Potter 4 and the Goblet of Fire, which, of of course, uh, up front, if this is your first time listening to the show, is not a a PG podcast. No. (laughs) If you're looking for a kid-friendly Harry Potter review, this is not it. (laughs) And also, uh, we we are not going to defend J.K. Rowling. No. At all. We're <laughs> no. not here for her transphobic bullshit. Uh, no. Trans women are women. D- trans men are men. Uh, p- uh, people uh, haven't noticed maybe how fucking anti-trans men her essay is. It's uh, She is just... She's off the deep end on this ridiculous transphobic bullshit, and we're not here yeah. for it. 
But no. we've been doing this uh, as a tradition, and we and we said two weeks ago on our podcast, we asked if anybody, you know, wanted us to not do it, uh, to, to let us know. Everybody seems fine with us going forward, so this episode will be a lot of shit talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And of course, we'll say up front, we stand in solidarity yep. with our, uh, our trans brothers and sisters, yep. wherever you may be. You guys just keep doing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're not we're not uh, we're not doing this to to uh, in any way support what J.K. has been saying. No, so, or to capitalize on the fact that or this to is in the headlines yeah. or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, you this can look back on our yearly plans. Yeah, yeah, we we've we had been planning on this exact date for over a year. So uh, we were gonna do this, and I, yeah, I I do I do wonder if we keep it up. I don't know. I mean, what because like. Last episode, or the last time we did it, last one was the third movie, and we kind of trashed the movie a lot. Yeah. Which was fun, and I thought it was going to keep up this sort of funness of trashing this silly movie, but it got it's gotten a sort of serious element to it where it's kind of questionable about, like, how fun will it even be in the future mm, to keep talking mm-hmm. about these movies? So right. yeah, I'd like I'd like to hear from the the listeners more, you know. L- just let us know, like, if you want us to keep doing this, if it, if it's worth it to at least have the conversation, at least to say like, you know, uh, trans women are women, and and JK is wrong. I mean that that's a positive that can come out of talking about this for sure. Totally, yeah, yeah. So uh, let us know if we should keep this up. Yeah, absolutely. So, and if you want to help support causes for uh people in the lgbtq community and uh, the trans community and all that stuff we got a couple of links in the podcast description to some charities and stuff like that you can donate to and look into the trevor project is probably the most well-known one that yeah that's the one that uh daniel radcliffe has been working with and daniel radcliffe has come out and and uh, as against what uh jk has said so Mm -hmm. has uh uh, what's his name eddie redmayne yeah Uh, dude so strong statements yeah, so the Trevor Project is definitely a place to go. There, we've also you were talking about Marsha P. Johnson just a couple of uh, episodes ago. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, uh, which is a which is a, a great charity fund, especially for you know human race human resources for like black trans people. The black trans people really get shit on a lot. Yeah, so yeah, they kind of need the most help. Yeah, uh, be, being trans in America is unsafe. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. being black in America is unsafe. So the black trans community gets it very, very terribly in this country. So uh, it, it is important to, to focus uh, a lot on that community and try to help. So the Marsha P. Johnson Institute, definitely worth your money. And the Okra Project as well is one that is like a global crisis yeah. uh, center that that targets specifically yeah trans black people and stuff and tries to help them out and get them everything yeah. they need. So. I mean, as hard as it is to be trans and black in America, it can be even worse in other places in the world. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to help uh, help our brothers and sisters out, please consider checking out any of those things, donating some dough. Uh, putting your dollars towards something good. So, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Steve, so, how you been this week, man? I've been good. 
I have been yeah. just chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and working my ass off. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. I feel, I feel a year older since we podcasted what? last. Did you have a birthday? My numbers have increased, Steve. Yep, my numbers have. have gone up by one. Mm-hmm. By my one. life stat yep. has increased by one level. Yeah. I'm now a 36-year-old man. Man, can you imagine if you came across a, a cursed piece of armor that added three to your life stat? Oh, my God, dude. But, well, what are the perks, though? Like, is my defense plus fucking ten? Oh, like, yeah. What, what no, it, it's badass, but now you're, like, three years older, and I don't know if you know this, but three years older can mean a whole lot. That's true. That is you totally could be, true. <laughs> you could be suddenly like oh well that thing that didn't hurt three years ago hurts now (laughs) yeah finding that out all the fucking time i'll tell you that i had a great (laughs) birthday i'll tell you what i did jack shit that's an awesome awesome. birthday yeah yeah perfect birthday because i'd kind of made like you know just sort of like sort of loose plans you know be like well if anybody's available you know maybe we can just get like a beer on a patio nobody was available so I was just like, you know what? I'm just not going to do anything. Right. So basically, that's why I just stayed home all weekend with no plan, played music, edited video and stuff, and yeah. watched a shit ton of flicks. I've watched a ton of stuff this week. Would so you you want me to dump it on you? Yeah, dump them. Dump them movies out. Okay. Mm-hmm. For starters, we watched Lovebirds on Netflix. Love it Bird. is hysterical. What it is, is so freaking funny, man. It is a it's a comedy about this couple that is going through a breakup and then okay. they kind of like end up sort of wrapped up in this crazy thing where this guy hijacks their car and uses it to kill somebody else and then they're trying to put the pieces together. They kind of like end up in the middle of this like crime ring kind of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, in the middle of a breakup. It is so funny. It's totally one it? of those ones that, you know, took an extra 15 or 20 minutes to watch just because we kept rewinding parts because it's so <laughs> funny, you know? Uh, uh, who's in it? I cannot remember the names of anybody that's in it. Okay. Uh, I've, I've just been informed by my secretary that Issa Rae is oh, okay. in it. I'm uh-huh. so bad with names like of, of anybody. I, I don't know anybody's names. All right. Uh, hilarious. Absolutely fantastic. That was really good. We watched Just Mercy this week okay I, I know have mercy which oh, okay. is um obviously uncle jesse's catchphrase from full house so <laughs> it's not related that? to that it's no, not related okay. to that at all but john definitely. stamos was in it <laughs> yeah exactly uh, definitely okay. a lot less fun and uplifting than that okay <laughs> but definitely Just some mercy. positive vibes towards the end yeah it's the one with michael uh michael b jordan and okay uh, what is his name? The guy that played Ray Charles in the movie, Jamie Foxx. That's his yeah, name. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's a, based on a true story about this guy who was on death row and stuff and this lawyer that fought for him. Man okay. alive. It is a it is a powerful feature. It's a powerful feature. Okay. Oh, I mean, uh, I can imagine. Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx, they're known for fucking nailing it, so... Oh, yeah. And it's available, yeah. like, streaming for free everywhere. It's one of those things that, okay. given the, the current events of the country, uh, which yeah. include the, the president literally tweeting one of his supporters, <laughs> screaming white power white the power, other day. Yeah. Yep. Woo! Uh, Explain your way out of that one, y'all. Yeah. Oh, I he didn't, didn't hear, hear it. He's in the first five seconds of the video. Guys, but, uh, it's okay. He's an idiot. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that explains yeah. it. <laughs> it's all right. It's fine. He didn't know. He didn't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> but considering the state of like everything that's been going on, they actually, you know, across the board made it free to watch on every streaming service. So good call. if you go on Amazon, you can rent it for zero dollars. And I recommend awesome. it. Really, really good. We also continued our streak of watching through all of the Marvel flicks in chronological Oh yeah. Order. I forgot you were doing that. Yeah, so we are currently on Miss Marvel. We watched that the other day. Yeah, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, it's called, not Miss Marvel. Yeah. God, what's with me and fucking names today? Jesus, yeah. dude. I'm not That's on That's all it. right. <laughs> but it's, I still think it's okay. I think that uh, that Coulson and Sam Jackson really keep the movie going. Right, um, the humor yeah, of Nick it. Nick Fury in there. Yeah, totally. And too, man, the de-aging stuff they did on Nick Fury is still yeah. it looks eerie really as good. fuck. Surprising. It was really, really good. Uh, we watched the OG Iron Man which oh, newsflash yeah. is still, still fucking awesome. Yeah. It uh-huh. is awesome. Dude, I remember seeing that in the theaters when it came out and just leaving the theater and being like, I can't believe they finally got a comic book movie right. Where it doesn't yeah. feel like, you know, like well, like the Nolan Batman stuff where it's just like, oh, it's like the comic book, but way grittier and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, no, this felt like the comic book and how I imagined it would feel if it was turned into a real movie where they put real respect for the source material and real budget into the actors and special effects and stuff yeah. so that, you know, the whole world could see how cool these comic book stories that I've loved my whole life are finally, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, uh, I think um, the Spider-Man movies were like that for me, but totally, seeing, yeah. seeing Iron Man nail it, we didn't know exactly where it was going. Like at that point, because they made that Hulk movie after that just isn't really good and kind of gets ignored in the MCU. That's one of the next ones that we're watching, and I'm, I yeah. seriously can't remember anything about it. Yeah, I mean, Ed Norton's fine. It's just the, I don't know. It, it, I haven't seen it in a while. I remember there were good elements of it, like Tim Roth is Abomination, and then they set up um, uh, Tim Blake Nelson was going to have like uh, a recurring role. But then um, they, I think they, they kind of recognized that Hulk is a bad character to be the central character. Of, he's a side uh, dish. Yeah, he's not a yeah. main course. Yeah. I think they can do it now that they've made him the smart Hulk. And that was yeah. like one of my favorite runs. Uh, I think it was in the 90s when there was the brief period where he was very much in control, like Bruce Banner was in control. Yeah, Professor Hulk. Yeah, I would like to see them do something with that because all of Hulk's enemies are fucking cool and they haven't really been used except in that one movie, which is kind of ignored entirely. Right, yeah. So, hmm, that's a good point right there. I look forward yeah. to watching that one again just to see if it's any better than I remembered? Because I, yeah. I just I, I, rem- I remember watching it being like it was fine. It's fine. Nowhere yeah, near Iron Man, though. Yeah, it it just doesn't. It's not on that same level. And then what comes after that? Uh, was that when Captain America came out? Um, we've like already done after. Captain America. Uh, but well, I we're mean, watching like him a, in in timeline wise. Yeah, right. I think the one after Hulk is going to be the first Thor. Yeah. Okay. That first Which Thor is good. It's fun. It's silly yeah. as it should be. Yeah. It should be a silly movie. Yeah. Yeah. Thor is best silly. I think. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, the other thing that we watched this week for our new tradition of DocuMonday. Oh, uh, yeah. La- right. This week was was my turn to choose the flick, and so I chose to watch Still on the Run, which is a documentary, I believe on Showtime, about one of the greatest guitar players that's ever lived, one of the most underrated figures in music history, motherfucking Jeff Beck, one of the absolute all-time heavyweight champions. 
Um, I don't know if you know much about Jeff Beck. I don't know anything about Jeff Beck. I was going to say, I, is that Beck's dad? <laughs> Beck's dad. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing about Jeff Beck is like, he is of the exact same generation and indeed is friends with and played in bands with everybody that you think of as like the OG greatest electric guitar players of all time. So okay. Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, right. Jimi Hendrix. Right. He's absolutely from that era. Those guys are all household names. Jeff Beck is still one of those guys that really only guitar players know. Even though the guy has played on 80 billion albums. He played the solo on Shot Down in a Blaze of Glory by <gasps> Bon Jove. What? Come on. As well as countless other things. He played on fucking Private Dancer, man. I mean, tons oh, of man. stuff. Dancing for money. Do what you want me to do. You're damn right. Uh-huh. And uh, But the thing about him is, is like the reason why he never hit that household name status is because he is one of the most uncompromising figures that has ever lived. Like, Okay. Even if things were going just absolutely ideal, if Jeff lost interest or inspiration, he would just drop a project uh, because he knew it wouldn't be worth his time. No compromise. Like, I'll put it to you this way. So the Jeff Beck group featuring Rod Stewart on vocals, because he was the guy that kind of like put Rod Stewart on the map, playing on his early records like Truth and stuff like that. They were slated to play Woodstock, like the Woodstock, 1969 Woodstock. Wait, the Woodstock where uh, Sha Na Na played? Exactly. Okay. We're talking we're talking big names like Sha Na Na. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Sha Na Na played Woodstock. Ooh, <laughs> big names. It's crazy. So basically, three days before the festival, Jeff Beck was just like, eh, I'm not interested in doing this. I don't think the music's where it needs to be yet with this band. And just pulled out of the whole thing. It was like, yeah, we're not doing it. Three days before Woodstock. That's crazy. Yeah. And then they're they're interviewing him about it, and he's like, yeah, and you know, I go back and I look at the at the film that they made about Woodstock, and I know I made the right decision. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's like, can you imagine being such a fucking hard ass and so uncompromising that you go, I backed out of Woodstock, the most documented piece of you know music history that came through the sixties and seventies. And was like, I decided not to do it. No yeah. regrets. <laughs> what a badass. Yeah. I mean, I I understand that. I, w- I mean, it seems like it would be a fun way to be able to live your life. But it also seems like it would require a whole lot of privilege. You know, maybe. It's one of those things that he, I think, definitely earned enough money playing with the Yardbirds yeah. and all these other artists He'd and stuff like to. that. Yeah, to be yeah, able to, to be where, like, no, fuck that. I'm just right, not doing yeah, that. Yeah, because it's like, I don't need the money to play that, yeah. so I'm just not gonna, you know? Yeah. Can you imagine if the whole world worked like that? If everybody just had enough money where they could just turn down shit? Nah, it'll never happen. Never. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be so great. Could you imagine? Yeah, nah. Like, I mean, it would be hell on the fast food industry for sure, but I think it'd be a better world. Hey, man, that's why we need house elves, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> yeah, more on that for sure. Uh, Jeff Beck is also absolutely the basis of Nigel Tufnell in Spinal Tap 2. So if you can ever watch oh, 30 okay. seconds of, of any Jeff Beck interview, <laughs> you'll be like, oh my God, it's like listening to Nigel Tufnell like, in hilarious. every possible way. So awesome. really great documentary. Probably not very interesting if you don't play guitar. Okay. But God, I, I loved it. And then the only other really great thing I want to mention that we watched this week is what we watched over uh, over lunch today. 
which, you know, we're big fans of the Try Guys over on YouTube. Yeah, I think uh-huh. they always just have fun, easy-to-watch content, perfect right. for lunch break or just a late-night YouTube snack. And uh, oddly enough, they just put up a video where they find out their Patronuses on the Pottermore website. Oh, yeah? It is absolutely hysterical because they're drinking the whole time, and by the end of it, they're drunk as fuck. They figure out their wands <laughs> and their Patronuses, and it is hysterical, absolutely hilarious. I won't spoil it for you, but... Okay. Definitely go watch that. Uh, at the very end of the video is like the little stinger. Ned brings up a really interesting point where he's like, you know, all the wands that people get assigned, they're all like different lengths and stuff like that, right? Uh-huh. But do they have to be like long? What if somebody's wand was just like a Coke can, like the size and <laughs> diameter of a Coke can? You're just swishing and flicking that thing around. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, there's not yeah. like, is there a requirement that it has to be like long and pointy, or could it just be like, could my wand be like wooden brass knuckles? Could that be a thing? I mean, I just punching I, spells through the air. That'd be sick. I cannot see the wand as anything but a dick. Like obviously, like the 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 length changing from person to person. It would only make sense if it was like, uh, like relative to your height, mm, like, yeah. <laughs> or if it was like relative to hand size. No, it's just <laughs> some some big ass wands are like, yeah, you, I like you, Ron. It wasn't Ron's wand like fucking huge. Was it? Would he have a hog? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Old hog wand Ron. Old hog wand Ron. <laughs> but, you know, maybe some of these wands are just all girth. You know, there's no all way to know. All girth, yeah. Just all a girth, tu- just a handful. Just a tuna can. What if you had a tuna <laughs> <Yeah>. can? <laughs> it's like, what's that? A wand. A tuna can. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Watch where you're flinging that thing, guy. <laughs> so I've had myself a great week. It's just been a good, chill birthday time, man. And That's again, awesome. I got to watch a ton of stuff, so that's definitely cool. What have you been watching, man? Uh, well, I've been I've been really busy, but uh, Emily and I did watch the final season of Broad City. Finally, awesome, God, yeah. dude, so, so good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And uh, tears were shed, of course, because yeah. it's sad. We're gonna miss the gals, but of course, five seasons of the show still exists. So, oh yeah, awesome that dude, that's a show that could have kept going for fucking twenty seasons. I don't care. I think that those those bitches are hilarious. Uh, I did, however, when I had some break time, <laughs> I did, as I normally do, uh, listen to some music on the old YouTube yeah. and did end up in some 90s music videos. Oh, yeah. And I had yeah. some observations. Okay, tell me about them. Uh, Montel Jordan, this is mm-hmm. how we do it. Classic. <sighs> These are some lines from This Is How We Do It. Okay, is this going to make me rethink this so-called classic? No, I I just have a question for Montel Jordan. Okay. All they would say is 680 stood and some of the music that he made was good. Now, hmm. I just now picked that lyric out. So if someone were to ask me about Montel Jordan before I had heard that, I would not have said he stood 6'8", because I didn't know that. That's so, a tall man. Montel Jordan's a very tall man. <laughs> <laughs> I bet his wand uh, is enormous. But he fucking nailed it on the other one. Some of the music that he made was good. Yeah. So, way to go, Montel Jordan. 
He's realistic. He's not like, I'm the all-time greatest. He's like, yeah, some of it was good. Some of it less so. It stood out to me because it was the first time I'd ever seen a modest boast. Kind of is. It's like, I am tall, and they'll remember that. They'll also remember I made some all right music. Hmm. Way to go, Montel Jordan. Yeah, exactly. Not one to (laughs) brag or boast, just being honest. And he's right. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) Uh, Number two, uh, Genuine, Pony. Mm, Yeah, classic. Mm -hmm. Classic. Rewatch that video. That video I did like a year ago. Dude, we watched that video and we were just looking at each other the whole time being like, are you seeing what the fuck I'm seeing? Because that Pony video is strange. (laughs) It's him... Singing pony and dancing like fucking he's fucking somebody all sexy in a redneck bar. Yeah. And there's some implication that one of the rednecks is actively trying to not eye fuck him. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely in there. It is not subtext. (laughs) It's wild, dude. What? Yeah. Of all the videos that I would have expected to see for that song, that one is in the That's weirdest the, alternate yeah. dimension. <laughs> I would have expected a lot more like like women, uh, him trying to like seduce women. No, he's in a redneck bar, and it, it's just like it's it's like he was like, oh, I know this is a hit. I want to get a fucking jab in at racist ass rednecks. <laughs> More power to him. And it's like, yes, you nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one right there, man. So, yeah, that was fun. I had a fun time with those. (laughs) Oh, Also, we should remake the Unbreak My Heart video as soon as the quarantine is is done. I'll be be Tyson Beckford and you be Tony Braxton. Oh, I'm on board (laughs) with that. We'll stage the whole thing. It'll be great. Okay, sign me I up. Just want, I need you crying in the shower is my point. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man. I mean, next time I'm taking a shower, I'll just turn the iPhone on for just a second. Yeah. I'll get it. I'm going to have to work on my abs to look like Tyson Beckford. But I guess. I guess. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys do anything on that old streaming chat this week? Hell yeah, we did. Uh, we, we're, we're back to picking our own movies. And we went with uh, Tales from the Crypt 1972, the uh, old school anthology. It's, I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's a classic anthology. It's got some moments that, if you haven't seen it, will seem familiar because they have been spoofed or homage so much. But it's, it's not, it doesn't hold up as much as I remembered. Oh, yeah? Not so much? Yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, some of the stories are, are really good. Like, there's one that I lo- love, absolutely love. But the others, I don't know. They all end kind of abruptly. There's, the stories aren't strong, I would say. It, okay. But it, 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 is, it is an important anthology to see, I think. Because it, it's, it's one of the, the better early anthology horror movies. I mean, without that, we probably wouldn't ever have a creep show or anything like that either. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, creep show definitely is. Because, like, uh, Tales from the Crypt is an adaptation of the Tales from the Crypt comic books. And creep show is, is that sort of same thing, you know. So right on. Yeah, Creepshow wouldn't exist without that, I don't think. It, it is a weird idea at, in 1972, I think is when it came out that uh you're at, you're adapting these comic books that are looked at as trash in the 70s. Mhm. 
to treating him with some respect and treating it with some respect. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Right on, man. That sounds like a good time. If people want to join up for that old streaming chat, yeah. how can they hang out with the coolest kids? Yeah, uh, we do it at Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we, we we do this thing where we're streaming something from the YouTube mm-hmm, yeah. and we're chatting on the Discord. I've posted the Discord link a million times. I post it again every Friday on the Facebook and uh, Twitter. So... If you want to join us, just pop in on the Discord around 9 o'clock. I'll uh, have the movie link up around 9 o'clock, and then we'll start around 9.10. So get over there. Let's get to chatting. Get, get over there and get to chatting and having some drinky drinks. Are you doing some drinky winking during that thing? Uh, I, I wasn't because Emily was here, but she wasn't awake, and we were going to partay. So I didn't want to get like drunk before she woke up. Uh, but I did drink that night. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a, a good bit. In fact, we may have gotten a bit drunk. <laughs> no. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, Steve, I think I'm going to raise a toast to that right here and drink myself a birthday beer. What was given to me by our great friends, Lindsay and Thomas. They dropped me off oh, a yeah? basket of birthday goodies, oh, which cool. uh, included some pretty amazing stuff. I'll tell you this, Steve. They got me a couple of shampoo bars. That's working pretty well for me. Shampoo bars? Like uh, bar shampoo? Yeah. Okay. It's like a bar that foams up like a son of a bitch and you rub it on your head. How okay. crazy is that? I'm for it. Yeah. I'm all about it. So it's eliminating the plastics that Correct. you get in most shampoos. Which That's exactly right. Yeah. So they got me some of those, which are pretty awesome. Also got a couple of old fashions in a bag. They sell an old fashioned <laughs> in a bag and it's bag surprisingly good. Yeah, Hell just yeah. a bag old-fashioned is what it's called. Is, it, is this like good. bag milk? Yeah, it's like Canadian. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I miss bag milk. I, I oh, liked dude. that about Russia. Bag milk for some reason. Did they do it over there too? Yeah, yeah. In Europe, it's it's pretty common. The old bag Word. milk. Or, or shelf-stable milk as well. Ooh, that sounds yeah. suspicious. Yeah, I'm not a fan of shelf-stable. I liked the bag. And they also got me a couple of co-beers, including... That one right there. Ooh, you heard that satisfying little snap of the cap. Yeah. That's because I am drinking a quadruple Trappist Ale by Damn. La Trap. Damn. Yeah, dude, fancy. I've even got this beautiful Omegong glass. I'm pouring this thing in. This promises to be a oh my God. boozerific Belgian quad, which I that look forward awesome. to tasting. Yeah, it's at like 10 point something. Yeah, 10, 10%. So That's it's a pretty big, big old boy. Uh-huh. It smells fabulous. It's got all those spicy, raisiny, boozy notes that a good Belgian has. Let me just let's go in here. Just get a little snoot of this right here. You give me some accompaniment music, Steve. Give me some drinking music. Oh, he's a drinking a beer, and he's gonna tell us what it tastes like. Oh yeah, that's right. That's really, really good. That's extremely awesome. good, actually. You know, a lot of those, a lot of those Belgians, especially once you get in that quad and triple, just can get so dessert-y, spicy, spice cakey, you know? Yeah, uh-huh. This is pretty fucking nicely balanced. It does have some of that raisiny sweetness to it. Ooh. A good balance of spices. Nothing is, like, terribly overpowering. A lot of them just get that, like, coriander punch to the face, you know? Yeah. This is pretty nice and balanced. Pretty malty on the back end, Ooh. too. Pretty malty on the end. Very fucking good, man. I, I used to just love these Belgian beers and drink them all the time, and nowadays... It's a special occasion kind of thing for me. 
and uh, this is indeed a special occasion. Yeah, there there are a lot. There, yeah. There's a whole lot going on there. I like a Belgian myself too. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm having myself uh, a little seltzer water. Let me just get a taste of it. Oh yeah, let's see what that thing does for you. Oh man, think that I'll tastes, just uh, stay here and drink. That was my drinking music for you. <laughs> uh, it tastes like tastes like water with some bubbles in it. Oh wow, you don't yeah. say the bubbles are in the water within the water itself, suspended wow. in the very mixture. <laughs> <laughs> How do they do it? Who are the witches know. and wizards involved in that? I do not know. I don't know how they do it. You know what, though? I bet they accomplished that with some sort of ingenious spell. You know, there's I all kinds of unique so. spells in the Harry Potter universe. They're flying all over the place in this flick. You got Accios. You got some Engorgios. You got some uh-huh. unforgivable curses and stuff. There seems to be a curse for just about everything in the Harry Potter world. If you need it, there's a spell for it. But you know That's what, true. Steve? There's a few things that I need on a daily basis that I've never seen the Harry Potter universe tackle. I can think of about five in specific things that I wish I had a spell for. So I, I don't know about you, man. I've got a little list of five spells that I have created that I could use on a daily basis were I in the Harry Potter universe. You don't happen to have something like that, do you? It's the weirdest thing. I recently made a list very similar to that. No. And I was wanting to share it with you, but off pod. Because oh, it's yeah? a real secret. But I guess I will. I guess I'll do it on the pod. We're sharing and caring guys. So how about That's we just us. go ahead and slide on into the preview palace? Bum 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 trademarks. You're now in the preview palace. (laughs) And let's just talk about five Harry Potter style spells that we could use on a daily basis. Steve, why don't you kick us off here? And as you, you know, as you tell us about your spell, I would really like you just to pick up the nearest object and delicately swish and flick. Well, I do do have a chopstick here, so it is on. Why don't you cast a spell on me, man? What are you going to hit me with first? All right, Ben. So here's the thing. Every single meal I eat, it seems, Mm -hmm. I add hot sauce. Oh, yeah. You want it to taste like something, so sure. Absolutely. So... Wouldn't it be easier than having a whole bunch of bottles sitting around if I could just say hot saucerous? Oh, wow. You're a hot sorcerer. Add hot sauce to my food. Wow. Would it just like spray out of the wand? (laughs) Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm imagining it like basically the motion would be the the traditional hot sauce motion. Oh, like you're jiggling the bottle like. Yeah. Yeah. So and then hot saucerous. See, I, I imagined out. it like very messy, like you'd swish and flick and then it's just spraying every which way. I mean, you can do it that way, you know, to like as like a, a defense against enemies, perhaps. Okay, yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that could probably come in handy. Or what if it was like an environmental type spell where it would just make rain, it'd just rain hot sauce on your food? I mean, hey, listen, if we want that to happen... We can make it happen. We're wizards, Ben. <laughs> we can do what we want. That's how that's it works. That's a pretty works. valuable spell, man. That's a yeah. that's a great low-calorie way to add some flavor to your favorite <laughs> it's dishes. It's true. So Ben, <laughs> what what do you what what's your first spell? Dude, I'll tell you this, man. 
There's so many times on my day-to-day basis that, you know, I go and I check my social media. I check on the Facebook or whatever. The social me. Mm-hmm. Oh, the social me. And, dude, what do I see? I see a bunch of people sharing a bunch of bogus-ass information. I know they're not researching it. They're, they just see something. They go, well, that sounds about right. I think I would see Hillary Clinton high-fiving Ted Bundy. Don't vote for her. <laughs> and then they share a photo or something like that. So in times like that, I wish that I had a spell on hand like this one right here. Factimus Checkacus. <laughs> and it just immediately <laughs> checks the fact. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It would immediately provide a valid fact-checking source so that I could, you know, blow some moron's face off on social yeah. media. I think that would come in handy. I Listen, that is right in line with my next one, which, <laughs> which, which had to do with people uh, spewing fake news one might say uh-oh and Rita mine style. is of course fakest newsicus <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're, we're clearly on the same wavelength there yeah and my mine would just make it, it it uh like it wouldn't blast like to everybody just in their head they would hear fake news like whenever they said something that was yeah fake absolutely they made that. up bullshit yeah <laughs> it would just resound in their head and they'd be like, aha, I can't, I can't avoid it. I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> you could even kind of like bring that into the Harry Potter universe a little bit more and make it like, like whenever somebody gets a howler, you know? Yeah, there you like go. Like they get a, an envelope at their doorstep immediately upon sharing some fake news and that thing just like screams fake news. So everybody yeah. knows they're full of shit. That'd be cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got another one, Ben? All right, man, I'll tell you this. You know me. I'm always making some videos. I make the videos. I teach you the guitar. I put it up on the YouTube, all that stuff. But, dude, man, you know, living down here in the big city like I do and living near a busy street, I can't tell you how many times I've had a perfectly good take where I'm talking some mad guitar shit that gets ruined by some heathen. And I don't use that word lightly. I'm talking Uh, heathen. A real heathen. That drives by... With his loud ass car or loud ass motorcycle. Okay. There's a couple of guys here that have some four wheelers and a dirt bike that is so loud, it's absolutely unbelievable. Huh. And during those times, I wish that I could stand up out of my chair, grab my wand, swish and flick, and incite the incantation, Motorus, quietus. <laughs> and it just, it keeps running, but quietly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just immediately okay. makes it fucking quiet. Dude, I was thinking about it, though. You know, I was watching these guys, like, cruise down on their their dirt bike and four-wheeler that's, again, it's so loud, it's ungoddamn believable. Yeah, I believe They're cruising through yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, like, I would be so embarrassed if that was my mode of transportation. I would actually be driving around everywhere on my loud-ass four-wheeler, and everybody I passed, I would just be going, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's loud. I'm sorry. But then I got to thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? Maybe these guys are saying they're sorry the whole time, and I can't hear it over the goddamn loud motors. That might be happening. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, it's so loud, <laughs> Sorry everybody. for the volume. I can't I afford anything else right this now. This is obviously unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't hear it because it's too I, fucking loud. No, you have no <laughs> idea what's happening. Steve, what do you think you're going <clears> to <throat> ask for for your next spell here? What do you got? Okay, so um, this is a an issue I notice, especially in the South, is the number of people who have 
dogs that they just leave outside all oh, the time. It. Yep, just the old, just the old yeah. yard dog that just lives, and that's yeah. it. Yep. Uh, and so I'm using Canis Protectus, Ooh. which provides the dog with several charms around them that gives them warmth and uh, uh, the feeling that people actually care about them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> because sweet. I don't. I, it, it's uh, they're too near me in like such proximity that when I'm walking my dog, like. I see them and I talk to them because I'm yeah. like I feel bad for this dog. It is outside all the time. At least one of them I know. Sometimes they play with it. The other one I think they just leave outside all the fucking time, and it Aww. makes me very upset. Dogs just want to be our friends, y'all. That's all they want. They literally just want to hang out and be your friend. And you're just like, oh no, you're my dog, but you can't go anywhere or do anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, not you. that's, that's not your yeah, friend. That's not your friend right not there. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I think anyway. that's a good charm to cast right there. I think there's a lot of canines that could use a little bit of that in their life. Hell yeah. What you got, Ben? All right, man. Now, this is one I know. I Actually, I'll be surprised if this isn't also on your list in some form. Because I know that I've had myself a lot of mornings in my life, especially after I turned 30, where I wake up feeling not so fresh because of right? all the alcohol I put uh-huh. into my face the night before. I'm talking uh-huh. about your old classic hangover. Right. Oh, man. It sure makes it hard to get your day going, get things started, get to work, all that stuff when you got yourself a raging, nasty hangover, especially no one of those really unexpected ones where you're like, I didn't even Ugh. earn this. This sucks. <laughs> I had like two drinks. Why is this it, happening? Oh, my God. That's an after 30 surprise right yeah. there. And that's when I really wish I could stand up and look in the mirror and cast Hangoverka Obliteraticus, <laughs> which would just obliterate my hangover. <laughs> I, I was expecting a potion or some sort. Nope, it's a spell. It just makes your hangover, like, get the fuck out, I guess. It's like, <laughs> oh, sorry, shit. Well, you know, I hear that there is a particular strain of gillyweed out there that upon smoking can remedy some of the side effects. I didn't know you could smoke gillyweed. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> but that's what I think could definitely come in handy. Yeah, for sure. What's I, next on I, your did, list, I did have a potion idea, yeah. but <laughs> mine, my idea was essentially that I would make a tincture of, of marijuana because uh, what the fuck are they doing? Like, there's no mention of drug use at all. In, right. in Harry Potter, like they talk a little bit about uh, drinking. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ogden's old fire whiskey and there stuff like you this. Go. Uh, and then obviously the luck serum or whatever is just some version of meth with like <laughs> just meth. <laughs> yeah, like meth and, and PCP. It just makes you feel like everything you do is absolutely right. It might be cocaine, honestly. Just give yeah. you that confidence boost yeah. that you need. And you're like, I'm the luckiest man in the world. And that's why <laughs> they're like, oh, you can't rail. do it too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are wizards out there just fucking slamming that luck potion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, I, I think they're just, they, they would use some sort of tincture of marijuana, I would assume, regularly. Because yeah. they don't have the laws against it. Maybe that's why it's not mentioned. Because it's be. just so it's not common. Taboo. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Maybe. But uh, anyway. So that that's my potion. 
which That's is a good. potion that already exists in real life. <laughs> yeah, you can actually do that. You can make yeah. that. <laughs> what else you got, Ben? <laughs> All right, Steve. I know that everybody looks at the life of a of a so-called content creator, and they're like, oh, man. You're so lucky. You just get to make stuff and create things all day. You just oh, you make yeah. videos, you make podcasts, you make it's a art, blast you make all songs. The time. Yeah, all you do, you're just so creative. You just get to do creative stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, you do, and it's awesome. That's true, but, yeah. But what people don't know about is all the work on the back end. I'm talking about all the fucking editing that goes into everything. Yeah, that's the worst part of everything. Yeah. Dude. It's where it's where like the creative part kind of stops and you're like, yep. oh, I just actually have to get this done. Like yep. last week I just shot a video about my first week with an eight string. I got this beautiful Skirvison uh-huh. eight string guitar a week ago. So I made a video about it. And over the course of, you know, the week, like I shot two hours and twenty minutes worth of footage and edited that down to twenty, I think it's like twenty one minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's <laughs> yep. hours and hours and yep. hours of, of editing. editing. Yep. Yeah. And same with the podcast. I mean, you know, I, yep. I edited the first big bunch of episodes for the show. You edit the show now. Yeah. You know, the editing yeah. takes a long fucking time. It's very that's time the part consuming. that everybody A ignores. lot of concentration. Yeah. <laughs> and for somebody like me with ADD, it's very complicated. It's a lot of breaks. And sitting back down and remembering where you are and then trying to keep your attention on it. It's no fun. Woo. That's why I wish I could just cast myself a little bit of editorio completicus. <laughs> yes. And just get the editing part done. Yes. That sounds amazing. I want this spell to exist. And I kind of envision it sort of like the dishwashing that happens at the burrow, you know, where it's just like the, the pots and pans are being scrubbed right. by the brush and stuff. Only in this case, it'd be my little cursor flying all over the screen and the buttons on the keyboard getting pressed. <laughs> you do and- have to sit through it happening. I mean, you don't have to actually sit and watch it, but it does happen in real time. So Yeah, exactly. You, your computer is still being used. It's- yeah. You can't be like, you know, also working on another project because whatever spell you cast has now made the mouse start moving around the screen. <laughs> okay. And that like could be macros are being pushed on the, yeah. the keyboard. I like that. You try that. to open up a window to like check your email and just it yeah. just wreaks havoc on your inbox and stuff because it's just <laughs> blindly going through the commands. Yeah, you definitely cast that one before bed. You know what I yeah, mean? Be for like, sure. When I wake up, the work will be done. <laughs> mission accomplished <laughs> that's awesome yeah i love it i love it yeah. all right i think we're down to our last yeah we uh, desirable incantations here Steve. yeah what do you and what th- do you got what's the last thing that came for, came to mind for you of a spell you could cast in your life that would really make a difference and this may exist uh i mean you know when when jk Rowling told us that i don't know why this came up to her but that wi- wizards just poop on the floor and make it disappear. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> you, know, you haven't heard about this? No. <laughs> That's how the, the, they don't have plumbing, apparently. Or, or I don't remember what There's why this brought though. up. Because they do have plumbing. They do have bathrooms. But she said wizards just poop on the floor and make it disappear or whatever. Or they poop somewhere and make it disappear. They don't need, like, plumbing. What? Why does J.K. Rowling keep talking? Quit she talking. She could just shut up. She could just, just shut up and be a billionaire and that's it. Just sit with all your money yeah. and quit talking. <laughs> but my question then was like, all right, but do they have a spell for wiping? 
Wiping Because <laughs> I don't like wiping my butt. Who does? It's so time consuming. It's so I got other things to do. I don't want to be wiping my butt and then you You're know You're using resources and all that. It's a waste. So yeah, mm. I just wanna like point my wand at my general butthole region and it I don't know. Shoots out some water. It's a bidet. Bidacus. Bidaturus. <laughs> you know, know what, though? Isn't there a part in one of the movies where somebody does spray water out of the end of their wand? With, yes. For some reason. There's some spell that makes water shoot out the end of your wand. Yes. I guess is. people probably use that to clean the buttholes in that universe, Isn't it right? Aguamente. Yeah, I think that's mm. right. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess you could just use that one. Well, let me ask you this, though. I mean, according to the laws of physics, matter cannot be created or destroyed. So That's whenever true. you displace the shit off your ass, it has to go somewhere. Where right. is it going to? So, yeah. So the, in the wizarding world, there must just be a region of shit. <laughs> where shit everybody's island. shit is. I mean, you could make it fall on one of those, you know, racist rallies where they're blaring some semisonic or something. Just fall somewhere in there. I think the people that tolerate Slytherin probably aren't very anti-racist. Yeah. 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 They're it like, seems like tolerating Slytherin you know, we gotta, is just kind we of We gotta tolerate yeah. this white supremacist house. Like, it's just gonna happen. <laughs> they're this, they're ju we're just gonna have people that think humans and people who aren't very magical should just die, and that's fine. Hmm. You know, that does seem to be kind of a thing, just sort of some passive, passive, you know, racism that happens by people who tolerate a Slytherin, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, not all Slytherins. There's good people on both sides here. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Oh, man. <laughs> Those good hashtag, Slytherins. Hashtag not all Slytherins. Please hashtag don't make that a thing. Please, yeah, please don't make don't, that a thing. But also kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> who would it be? What's the not all Slytherins? I, I've, I've actually, uh, I've given up on defensive Snape at this point. I think Snape is, uh, not a hero because he was a creep. Hmm. He did like, some creeping. He was a creep. He wasn't like, she, <sighs> Lily Potter was fucking married and dude's still creeping on her. Creep, creeping, creeping. He was a creep and he treated Harry like shit. Hmm. I was going to say Slughorn. Slughorn was a Slytherin, but. He also, like, was that kind of creepy, yeah. creepy guy that's just like, I want little kids to adore me. Yeah, I Here's want some candy. kids to adore me. <laughs> I, I am narcissistic enough to convince myself that a thing that absolutely did happen didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a definite white panel Slytherin. van driver, I'm pretty sure. Yep. I think that was his mode of transportation in the muggle world is white panel van. Yeah, but there's a concept, <laughs> there's just this concept among the wizarding world that that has to be accepted. We just have to accept it. We don't even yeah. have to teach them differently. Like, That's true. <laughs> what? They're not trying to exactly slow that train down, are not they? Not at all. No, they're just like, yeah, it's fine. Duh. Just let it run its course, I guess. Yep. yep. <laughs> Maybe they'll end up uh, killing a whole bunch of muggles. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It's just their way. Right. <laughs> all right, Steve, are you ready for me to lay down my last incantation on you? Yeah, let's hear it. This is one from the very depths. I mean, this is one right here that is, it's probably in one of those like spell books in the forbidden section of the library. This is yeah. probably one of those ones that's like, uh, you're not ready for this. You can't handle this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to drop the name on you first because it's not really going to reveal 
what the spell does because it's some deep cut Latin that oh. my wife and I looked up. All right. I'm just going to say I could really use the, the spell of Corpusungus Sakari okay. in my life. Because basically that, that from Latin would, would translate into uh, cut my fingernails. Oh, man, yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Dude, oh, that they would grow be awesome. so fast. My nails do, grow and so it's like, fucking fast. It feels like I'm cutting them every other day and it's just a stupid fucking chore. Especially the toenails. The toenails are the worst. Ugh, the worst, man. Come every time. On. Dude, I, I know I know I've said this exact same thing on the show. I get into bed, I feel them toenails are scratching on the sheets, and I'm like, is it seriously time for this shit again? Again with this? I can't <laughs> tell you, dude, how many times I sit down to like be like, time to play guitar, time to make this guitar video or teach lessons or whatever. Oh, my fingernails I sit are down. too long. Yeah, dude. I sit yeah. down and my fucking fingernails are touching the fretboard beyond the strings even though they didn't yesterday because my nails grow so fucking fast if i could just have a little spell i could toss around just to take care of those things so i could get along with my fucking work man i'd love it yeah i'm with you man that uh (laughs) i hate it i hate i and i also get uh ingrown toenails if i if i'm not very careful so oh yeah me too i'm very prone to it i i just don't like the hassle of it just yeah a spell would be <laughs> it really does seem like the thing we won't m- want most out of our spells is convenience absolutely it's just convenience yeah. based stuff things that yeah. bother me take care of that please <laughs> yeah please fix this <laughs> i love that there's people listening right now being like you didn't wish for a spell that could like create money or anything like that it's like nah you uh, rid of my hangover and cut my toenails i got my back hot to work. sauce what am i gonna uh, i mean <laughs> <laughs> not paying for all that expensive toilet paper now like what? i'm fine really i I'm can't think of much okay. to complain about what would i do with all that money anyway right right <laughs> <laughs> well you guys be sure to let us know what valuable spells you'd like to have in your life over on the facebook page at yeah. facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely oh yeah there's all kinds of cool kids over there we're yeah, signing up new people left and right to and fro, everybody's hanging out, talking about all the coolest stuff happening in the horror realm, and just generally cutting up and having cutting ourselves a good up, old time. So be sure to go and check that Facebook page out. All right, Steve, it's time to get down to business. We're like like an hour in right now, uh-huh. and <laughs> it's time to start talking about this motherfucking movie, Harry Potter 4 and the Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. This, I mean, I wish this it was Goblet a- of Fire Festival. <laughs> <laughs> Would that not be a cooler movie? Yeah. It just shows the, it shows them sitting in the dining hall and they all just have that plate of like, what was it? It was like bologna on bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, honestly, from what I can tell from this Triwizard Tournament, it's run about as good as Fire yeah. Fest. <laughs> yeah, about the same. About the same, yeah. Same level of organization and safety, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this this book was is one of the best of the of the series. Maybe my and favorite. still at the center of it is why the fuck they would do this. Still, yeah. It's like, there, there's there's that. The, yeah. I I mean, I'll buy into it for the story, but it makes no sense. I mean, even in the history that she's provide uh, that she provides in the book, they say that, like they haven't done it in like 200 years because yeah. it was too unsafe and people died like left and right. So 
uh, like, I don't, I didn't understand the concept behind no. this. No, huh? Well, especially considering, like, these are kids that are just trying to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> and shit, shit has happened the last three years. Like, yeah. crazy fucking shit. Yeah, let's just throw gasoline on top of this, too, yeah. and to add in a, a tournament that might result in some teen casualties. <laughs> yeah, this all makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, when you come back to it, Dumbledore's a terrible headmaster. He's not very good. He's not very good at it. This job, he's constantly putting these kids in danger for no reason. Extremely poor judge of character with all those yeah. defense against the dark arts teachers. Very yeah. bad judge of character. <laughs> very bad judge of character. Just terrible at this, and it really doesn't seem uh, very good at magic since he's the one who put all the charms and stuff on the the goblet, and still Barty yeah, Crouch didn't Jr. Work, huh? got through. Hmm. That's I mean, point. couldn't he have put a charm on there that you can't put in someone else's name? Wouldn't that have been something you thought of if you are limiting the age of the people putting in their name? That seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah, now that you mention yeah. it, that would be a good little good little line to put in the old spell there, wouldn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> the the book great, but the whole central premise of it is so questionable. And then turning it into a movie. Woo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that got changed around. Like you said, the uh, the fourth book is maybe my favorite. I really love yeah, the fourth book because there's just there's so much going on. There's so many like the little It's the last joyful subplots. one, I think. It is. It's also yeah. the last one that's kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've always loved the book, and I think that that did sort of you know, mess with my expectations and adoration of this movie because other than the first movie, which I've watched like a billion times, it's just one yeah. of those ones I always have on in the background while I do other stuff. This is probably the second most watched one for me. Yeah, me but too. But that being said, it's also been a really, really long time since I just sat down and watched it <laughs> as a movie, you know? Yeah. And thought to myself, if I didn't know the book... Would this make any fucking sense at all? Well, I saw it without knowing the book. Oh, okay. And it made just fine sense. Okay, it was, it was yeah. close enough. All right, so all yeah, the little details that the fans know about didn't necessarily. Yeah, none of that have changed anything. Yeah, the the story I remember being like, oh, okay, like just because I had seen the first three and I I enjoyed the movies. So I watched the fourth one, and I was like, sure, fine. I didn't really understand the third one. This one makes more sense than that. It kind of does, honestly. Yeah. Like, they're, they're sort of less loose ends in this than that third one did. Listen to our Azkaban episode that we did last yeah. year for more on that. <laughs> we, uh, we picked that thing apart pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, at the same time, it's like, even though this might make more sense as a story... Not much story, really, in this movie. No, yeah, the whole story is just the tournament. That that's yeah. why if you haven't read the book, it works just fine. But if you have read the book, you're like, wait, where's the story? Because yeah. the story is completely left out. It's just the tournament. Yeah, kind of, sort of, man. So this is the first time that I've really just sat down and watched it from start to finish, and uh, I think it kind of has changed my opinion on where this one sort of falls in my hierarchy, or perhaps I should say lowarchy. Oh. oh. 
of where this <laughs> thing fits into the entire Harry Potter uh, series for me. I mean, there's things that I like about it. I, oh, I will yeah. say up front, I'll, I'll try to get some good stuff out here at the front. I think it's the best looking movie in the series. The, I the think aesthetic that, is great, yeah. Right? Because like the first two, very simple, very childish, suited the tone very nicely. Christopher Columbus did a great job with that. Uh, wouldn't have worked for the whole series. The third one just took this immediate 180 detour, got super yeah, dark. Which, which was I cool. Was, it was cool, but man, what a sudden turn. It was like, a huge turn, yeah. Last year was the fucking Chamber of Secrets, and then you get into this super dark Alphonse, yeah. Alfonso Cuaron world where... Well, Chamber of Secrets should have been darker than it was. It should that, have been. That book yeah. is pretty dark. It does get kind of dark. Yeah. So this one here kind of splits the difference, and yeah. everything after this kind of gets back to the dark sort of tone mm -hmm. and everything. Yeah, five so, is very dark. Yeah. Very dark. Yeah. So I really like the look of this movie. I think that it preserves a little bit of the of the joy and whimsy of the wizarding world. I think yeah. that there's some really great sets and costumes, and even the designs of the things like the dragons, I think, are fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's probably the best-looking movie in the series, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I'd say that's uh, that's true, and and it definitely has like other aesthetic choices going for it that I enjoyed. I liked how they did the robes and stuff. I liked yeah. that they're, you know, the way they're dressed like normal people, which is uh, sort of a carryover from the third. But they just basically stay dressed like normal people most of the time. Yeah, I like the school that uniforms move. are less like roby. They're more like yeah. British school uniforms, like yes. you know. Uh, button-up shirts and vests and stuff like that. They yeah, look more like school uniforms. Yeah, it, it works so much better than the way it's described in the books. The way it's yeah. described, I, I just don't... I I think if you're going to have a completely detached magical world, it makes no sense that pretty regularly muggle-born children come to this magic school. And don't bring any of their outside technology and shit. Hmm, like, yeah. It's just weird to me. So, like, I think this embraces that idea a little bit more. It, it has that more of that feel of, like, yeah, it would, it would probably be a little bit more of a normal school, even though they are uh, witches and wizards. <laughs> yeah. I'll say also in the win category, we got some new characters here, and... I think the casting choices for characters like Mad-Eye Moody yeah, and, and Rita Gleason. Skeeter, mm -hmm. I yeah, think are fantastic. Yeah, Richardson, she does yeah. a great job. Absolutely killer, man. I got to think about it too, and I was like, we've talked about her on the Sleepy Hollow episode, because yep. she was like, in that, she's like, I she's sold great. my soul to Satan. Uh -huh. she's I love awesome, her, I love man. her in that. Uh, uh, I also and like, and Brennan Gleason, Mad-Eye Moody, fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I also like Clements Posey as uh, Fleur de la Cour. Oh, yeah, actually, think, yeah, she's really yeah. good. And she, I think she does, uh, she, she's able to shine more in the, I guess it's the last film or second to last film. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, when they, they kind of decide to bring her, that character back, yeah. Yeah, they don't have her do much in this. Not really. She, yeah. she loses a lot of contests. That's kind of it. Well, and that's, that's from the book, and I got a problem with that. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, uh, I got a problem with this. Okay. So... In the magic world, there is no reason why uh, a man would be stronger magically than a woman. It but doesn't seem that way, no. JK's choice for the competitors in the Triwizard Tournament are three jock males and then one woman who loses everything. 
<laughs> I mean, Harry Potter is not a jock, but the other two. He is well, a he kind jock. of is. He, he's a fucking yeah. He's, he, he plays Quidditch and stuff. Yeah, yeah so he he's is. A, okay. He's right. a jock. I mean, he, he's he's the team captain of of the Quidditch team. Eventually, who grows Future up cop. to be a cop? Like he, <laughs> like we. <laughs> The the idea that uh, Harry is is uh, even close to to her in their level of popularity shown throughout the story and stuff is is ridiculous because like that she just is there as like a token woman almost. It's really bad uh, hmm. female character writing. Yeah, because there's no reason why she would be any less good at magic than them or why they would be better they're jocks harry's terrible at magic yeah he's just overall bad at it yeah that's not a hidden thing at all yeah so the fact that he's better than her and she even does poorly with the worst dragon like it's almost like jk rowling is shitting on her she gets Hmm. the easiest dragon to deal with and then gets embarrassed by the dragon catching her dress on fire like, she also doesn't even manage to save her sister. Right. It, it really is like weak woman. Like that's what <laughs> I, I don't get that. I don't get why you don't make because to me what you do if you want to show uh, one that this is an equal world, which it, it should be. Minerva McGonagall is, is uh, as much of a wizard as uh, what's his name? Albus Dumbledore. Uh, then Fleur de la Cour, it would be make more sense to me if you make Fleur de la Cour the Cedric D- Diggory, like you yeah, make yeah. her be the, the one, he, yeah, that he's fighting like neck and neck against, and also maybe even like they they see have some commonality, like maybe he does try to help her sister, but she, you know, they stop him, and she sees that and recognizes it, but still saves her sister, doesn't fail at the very task that she's given like i just don't understand why you write that character so weak hmm you know what i'll tell you why why because jk rowling is also french phobic it's a jab at the french i okay i would believe that actually <laughs> i would believe that <laughs> i mean the english the, the french, french come on yeah. man they kind of go way back that. but I, th- <laughs> I here's what i'm here's what i think and i you know I feel, feel free, please, to correct me. I am a white man talking about this. I am coming from a huge position of privilege. Maybe I don't understand. All but right. I am I'm looking back at all of J.K. Rowling's female characters mm-hmm. and noticing that the one trait of women that she seems to valorize and... Uh, put above all other traits is mothering Hmm. and the best characters are mothers and the worst characters are those who reject it bellatrix lestrange the best would be like uh molly weasley molly weasley lily obviously yes i mean just think about it okay so harry's obsessed with his mother constantly uh, thinking about his mother he's interested in jenny because she reminds him of his mother isn't that a part of it i remember <laughs> um he he is constantly looking for a mother figure which he finds in every older woman that he runs to in the wizarding world 
all mm-hmm. of them immediately become these mothering figures. Except for... Yeah, he's, he's a lost little orphan kid, yeah. Yeah. Except for Rita Skeeter and Bellatrix Lestrange. They're shown as the two villainous characters, villainous female characters. And it really does come down to them not treating children as uh, special. Hmm, okay. They I just, hadn't thought about it that way. So, uh, and we were talking about this before... I just want to go through some of the, the female characters to just tr- sort of prove my point. All right, lay them on me, because this number is a, one, an angle I hadn't considered. Number one most important female character, Hermione. Yeah, of course. And she's, her ent- she's a badass, super smart, great Absolutely. Magic. 100% amazing. Spends her entire time taking care of two boys who are her <laughs> age, who should be able to take care of themselves. Okay, but she has true. to take care of them. She marries a perpetual boy child, Ron. She <laughs> okay, voluntarily becomes a mother to a husband. Then they have kids, where she is again a mother. And then eventually, this is in the, I think, the the lost child. What is that last one? The the play that they did? The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what was that called? The something child? Remember, Cursed child, yeah, I think. Cursed child. She eventually becomes Minister of Magic in 2019. So... I, and I just, this is a little silly. Minister of Magic, M-O-M. <laughs> uh, she becomes the mother she of the mom. magic world <laughs> in in England. Um, so she is very much focused towards mothering, despite the fact that she is amazing at everything she does and should be the central character because she's the one who gets everything fucking done. Sure. Uh, Molly Weasley, as we said, her entire identity is about mothering she yeah. uh, get away from her you bitch or whatever she says about bellatrix lestrange uh attacking jenny like she steps in and mothers in that immediate moment and is constantly a mother throughout to harry what if to the, the initial line was actually step away anti-mom <laughs> that's probably what she was speaking uh, uh mcgonagall same thing. She acts okay. like a mother towards Harry throughout the entire series. In fact, mm. whenever uh, they come back with Harry's seemingly dead body, she's the first one to uh, cry out, you know, because she's just so invested in this child. Uh, oh, other, wo- other villainous woman who <laughs> we're seeing as a villain because of her unmothering character presence with Harry and that is his aunt. Oh, okay. Yeah, she is a villain because she does not she refuses to be a mother to this child. Uh Huh. Narcissa Malfoy. That's the re- one I was trying to think of, yeah. Yeah, is redeemed in the end because she's a good mother. I guess she, so. She and her husband are white supremacists. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like they, they are. <laughs> they're they're they are in, they are Death Eaters. They were housing Voldemort and the Death Eaters. They were taking care of the Death Eaters. In the final moment, when they saw that they couldn't win, they escaped with their son. They're completely redeemed because she's a good mother. <laughs> they probably keep on being racist and stuff afterwards yeah nothing changed why would it change nothing (laughs) is gonna what do they have to change there's no reason for them to change there are no consequences for what they've done but it may be no coincidence that that whole family is aryan as well (laughs) yeah yeah 
it it really does just seem to come down to the the to be a good female character in a jk rowling book means to be a good mother or to have good mother traits hmm i'm gonna have and to ponder on that a little bit that's a that's kind of interesting i i i wouldn't i mean honestly <laughs> if if she hadn't started her crazy anti-trans shit i wouldn't have ever started looking at wait maybe she doesn't she maybe she's not the best actor maybe she is not trying to convince children that it's okay to be you and Mm -hmm. embracing who you are is most important and then i realized that harry potter's entire goal throughout the books is to be normal okay so in other other words not to be the super special mega wizard or anything like that. Right. He doesn't want that. He wants Even though to he's be the chosen normal. one. Yep. He wants to be normal. He wants to hmm. be a normal everyday guy. You know, the normal everyday guy who's the most popular kid in school and the most popular athlete and also becomes a cop. You They're know, just kind of average in school. Average, normal, everyday stuff. Yeah. He it, it presents this like super heteronormative white male uh dream of <laughs> being the norm yeah and marrying and, your high school sweetheart <laughs> and marrying yeah and everybody of course marries their high school sweetheart that's how it works is you harry potter school, a bruce springsteen song <laughs> he, may, he may be a john cougar mellencamp song okay that might be more yeah. like yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so yeah I, I'm starting to see that like okay if she if she is so close-minded on this I'm starting to close off the options for what she may have been intending I'm starting to see oh maybe she didn't intend all the good things that we've all projected on to Harry Potter for so long hmm. maybe those things that we've dismissed for so long like the happy slave elves yeah. really do need to be addressed as what they are and that <laughs> is a british woman growing up knowing well i mean she's scottish i guess united uk woman a uk person yeah a uk person uh growing up knowing the the cultural history of the british going in and enslaving people and the idea of these characters that have been shown in books and plays throughout to try to back up that slavery is okay by showing that slaves are actually happy doing what they're doing. Yeah, that was a lot of propaganda back in the day. Like, we were all willing to give her the benefit of the doubt, but I don't think we can do that anymore. I think we have to recognize that she might really believe that there's some happiness in slavery and that people would be happier being slave i'll say that i don't miss the spew element um, yeah the house elf liberation front sort of element from the book that is absent in the movie i'm yeah. gonna say that was a good cut <laughs> for yeah. a lot of reasons i mean for one because that never really comes back and means anything in the other books doesn't it, yeah doesn't it seem in the books it seemed to me that the narrator at the very least, is mocking Hermione for espousing these beliefs. Like, yeah, because it kind of seems like it's like she's trying to fucking free these things. She's wasting her time. What a dumb dumb. Yep. 
it it seems like the book is is showing her is like a mockable figure for caring about this thing just another of course SJW. they love it yeah <laughs> i i don't know yeah, the, man the whole house elf thing is is i even remember like when i read the book and stuff back in the day it is kind of problematic where this whole time you know you find out that well, the food that you see up at the grand tables and stuff in the Great yeah. Hall, like it has to come from somewhere, and it's because yeah. there's these slave elves that are working in the kitchen 24-7 that get no pay, and you know they offer them... Well, I think at the very end, Dumbledore like gives Dobby like a day off a month, and he asked if he could not even have that because he just loves work so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please don't make me take a day off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, good God, kind of weird. Just, it's yeah. I I don't know, man. I I just don't know if I can give her the benefit of the doubt on any of this anymore because it casts it, things in a different light. Yeah, it does. And like, if you if you go and look at uh, her essay and and if you read her essay and you come out thinking, oh, she she's not anti-trans, read perspectives from trans people and and really look at what she's saying because. She has some platitudes in there where it seems like maybe she's saying she's not anti-trans, but then she goes right back to anti-trans talking points over mm. and over and over. And it really does seem like this just ridiculous concept that someone would pretend to be trans to steal the benefits of womanhood. <laughs> like oh boy you yeah. know what you know what would be great to go from my position of power as a male to a trans woman yeah to, to being one of the most scrutinized and and ridiculed yeah ridiculed uh people in the entire you know spectrum of humanity yeah just so i can butt in on what women are doing worth it yeah so uh, the the mind that that believes that's the way people operate is the type of mind that i believe does think that there must be people out there who really just love slavery <laughs> that love being enslaved yep you know i mean when you look at it that way it it does kind of make you reconsider some things that you might have yeah. seen in the books doesn't it yeah it does uh, anyway <laughs> back to the movie that's not good hey uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this was uh not directed by the same guy that did the third one no it is directed by mike newell who uh directed donnie brasco pretty good movie mona okay. lisa smile uh he's he's, he's directed to some movies the the writer is steve close who wrote most of the the movies yeah i thought so he did not think this could be one movie hmm. so okay. he wanted to split this thing up yeah he wanted to be two movies because you know there's a ton of story in here well the thing is too is like even if you just look at the bigness of the third book compared to this one I mean it, it doubled in size. The fourth yeah. book is yeah. ginormous. It's gigantic. Yeah. The, the fifth, fifth one is the largest. Bigger. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if you would have done this as two movies it kind of would have set a precedent of like well I guess all of them from here on out are going to be two or three movies each too and then yeah. by the time you get to the end the kids are in their fucking 30s, you know? Yeah, that would have sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that that definitely would have been a bad idea. But I I do think if your writer is saying, I think this has to be two movies, get a different writer if you're going to yeah, make it be one can, movie. 
maybe yeah. take a different perspective on it and figure out a yeah. way to, to make this work, right? Exactly. Because, yes, because uh, it, it is possible to make this work with more of the story, and I just don't think Steve Cloves was up to that task. Not that Steve Cloves doesn't do great with all the other ones that he wrote. Uh, it's just that he, I think he was saying to them, I don't think I can do it. And they were like, yeah, but do it anyway. <laughs> so go ahead and do it then. Right. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense to, to do that when you could, I mean, it's at that time, this was the biggest franchise out there. This is three years before Iron Man. Like this is the biggest franchise out there. You could go out and get a writer to come in and write this as one movie. Yeah, that's kind of the thing that I don't get is like you can look at the first or second movie and be like, well, they kind of under budgeted this or that. But you're like, well, they didn't know this was going to be a ginormous historic series of movies. But it's like by the time this fourth one rolled around, like Harry Potter mania was in full global swing. I mean, it was gigantic. So maybe this is where you start really putting some work into making sure these things turn out right i don't know i'm sure that the director did tons of research and like read the book and stuff right (laughs) no i don't think he did (laughs) no uh yeah this i mean this is also like i read the books the summer after this movie came out okay so this one was like a kind of enticement to read the book because i remember so many people being like oh like uh, there's so much more in the book and, and all that. And like, I, I did like this when I hadn't read the books. I did like this movie a lot more, but with time, having watched it and knowing the book, it's real hard to like this movie or enjoy watching it. Like, right? I just really, I'm out of it entirely. And then, yeah, JK Rowling being, terrible on twitter and and everywhere else uh makes it uh joyless kind of kind of sort of yeah because like it's like you said there's a lot of stuff that's missing from the book some of it is okay i mean it's like i'm not mad that they again cut out the the house elf stuff even though it does compromise the whole storyline of like dobby and winky the house elf and right her being enchanted and the Mm -hmm. wand and all that stuff like it does totally minimize all of that plot which was a big part of the book like yeah. There's so much stuff in the book that's like this mystery of like who cast the dark mark at the fucking right. tournament and stuff. But then and in the movie it's like, well, we see who cast yeah, the dark mark. Yeah, we fucking see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's other stuff that they did change from the book that I'm just like, why? Like, why do we see Barty Crouch Jr. in the intro? That's, like, this is supposed yeah, to be a big mystery. He's supposed to be dead. Intro. Yeah, I reread the intro as well because I was like, I don't think he's in the intro in the book, and he's not. It's just Wormtail and Voldemort and and uh, you know Nagini, and then the farmer. Yeah, uh, why is he there? I th- I think that is actually an okay move because if he showed up later, it would be a little like who who's this now. Like, right. we know he's with Voldemort. Though, I guess when he casts the Dark Mark, we would know that as well. So you don't really need him in the opening. No, uh-uh. Well, the <laughs> thing is, too, though, is that that kind of, like, who the hell is this guy sort of factor right? Um, that would have been introduced if he just sort of showed up, you know, midway through the movie, like we're talking about, is also amplified by the fact that 
Barty Crouch Sr. is so underdeveloped in this. Like, uh, yeah, you don't, don't learn know anything, anything about, about the guy. No. Other than the fact that he looks like Hitler. He looks so much like Hitler that I could have sworn this guy played Hitler at some point, but he didn't. <laughs> Dude, that's what I was thinking about is like while this guy was getting ready for this role and like during filming and stuff like this, when he had to grow a mustache, then shave it down into a Hitler stash. Yeah. This, this guy was going around everywhere and being like, I'm sorry, it's for a role. I'm sorry, I'm doing this for a part in a movie. Everybody's like, so you're playing Hitler, right? And he's like, no. Um, have you <laughs> How the heard is that conversation? <laughs> but dude, here's what I don't understand. is like, I realize that in the book, they refer to Barty Crouch Sr. as having a bottle brush mustache. That is code right. for Hitler mustache, obviously. Right. But considering that they took such liberties with the appearance of the characters as right. for one, to make the Dursleys all dark-headed... And uh-huh. then to even take away simple, fun flourishes, like the fact that, um, what's his name, is supposed to have a lime green bowler hat, right? Right. Uh-huh. They just gave him a regular old black hat just as the Minister of Magic and stuff. Hat, yeah. Yeah. Why not take this guy's Hitler stash off? Because he fucking yeah, looks like Hitler in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a good call to just take that stash and get rid of it. Uh, I think so. I, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know why you do that. It just doesn't make sense. And why is he so weird? Like that part where he's announcing the rules of the tournament and stuff. He's got like his arms held out in like a cruciform sort of stance. And his hands are kind of like grabbing at invisible things that aren't there. Mm. It's really strange. And his accent is super fucking weird. And you just never learn anything about him. Like there's nothing to his character. So that even when he dies, it's like, well, he's not in the movie anymore, I guess. Yeah, so you, there's that. you could entirely eliminate the character from the movie and not change much of anything no because honestly yeah. there's not really that much impact when you learn it's like oh he he threw his own son barty crouch jr into prison in this flashback like, scene. i don't know anything about either one of them so okay so who cares yeah exactly yeah. it's like does it really matter all that much you've got karkar off like ratting him out and stuff that it's the you know the the judge it's the judge's son did this stuff but it's totally not developed. And also, too, like in the book, the whole mystery of Barty Crouch Jr. was that he was supposed to be dead. Like he wasn't supposed right. to be in jail. He was supposed to be dead. Mm-hmm. So it was this like, oh, shit, like he has been disguising himself as Mad-Eye Moody this whole time and stuff. But in this, there's there's no mystery to where he is or his whereabouts or anything. I mean, they're constantly showing you him in the flashbacks. And then even whenever Mad-Eye Moody shows up, he's doing that same like tongue flick thing. They, right. make you, they make a real big point of showing you that every time Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah. is on screen, yeah, he's doing this like snake-like tongue flick, which I appreciate that that amount of physical characterization. Yeah. But as many times as they show it to us and as many times as it's they show Matt Moody doing it. Yeah and, yeah, and that end, they mention like, oh, somebody in the school's making Polly Juice Potion. Hey, Polly right. Juice Potion. You ever heard of Polly Juice Potion? I've heard about Polly Juice Potion. Here's the ingredients for Polly Juice Potion that got stolen. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I fucking get And you're showing us Mad-Eye Moody drinking mysterious fluid the whole time. Yeah. Pretty fucking yeah, easy to figure out. It is, it is. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I don't think that most of the film works as a, a a story i just think uh i think maybe when i watched it and enjoyed it it was just the aesthetic and um i think the ending is done well yeah uh, yeah i'll also put that in the win column like yeah 
which I can also see a little bit of criticism for in a way because basically after Harry and Cedric, you know, hit that port key at the end right. and they get transported to the graveyard, um, the tonal shift is a yeah, complete it's 180. It's gigantic. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's like so far in the movie, you've had kids flying away from dragons and there's mermaids right. and yada yada. And then it's like, and then suddenly this guy's cutting his hand off um, murdering a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> There's this like Aphex twin looking come to daddy creature yeah. that emerges from a cauldron. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of just like super fucking the Death dark Eaters stuff. look insane too. They look like, dope. Yeah. yeah. I like the skull face and the costumes, yeah, even the way really they fly cool. in. And also too, like I really love the effect that they chose to use where, you know, again, you have the come to daddy Aphex twin, you know, skeletal Voldemort come out of the cauldron. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the, the cauldron itself becomes his robe. That's cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I agree. Uh, very sudden shift, but it looks good. Yeah, and then, like, uh, when they, they come back from the port key, like, the way that's all played, uh, where we see Cedric dead, but we hear oh, everybody boy. cheering. Yeah, yeah that's it's all very dramatic. done super well. Uh, it is. So, they're, they're really good moments of it. I think it it just way too rushed. It doesn't condense the story in a way that actually tells a story. Yeah. There, there are just a lot of problems with it, for sure. And this is also the first time that we're introduced to Ra- Ralph? Rafe? Fiennes? Ralph, Ralph Fiennes. Ra- Ra- Ralph, Ralph Fiennes. Uh-huh. <laughs> as, as Voldemort, which yeah. I feel like... Even the return of Voldemort is pretty underplayed in the movie. Like in the book, it's like Harry's having dreams of that flashback with Nagini and stuff, and it's like yeah. it seems like Voldemort is back. Yeah, there's a huge buildup in the book. In the movie, yeah. it's like yeah, we just get that opening scene, and I I guess there are just so many assumptions throughout this movie that yeah. you you just know the stuff like you probably have read the book or you have a friend that's read the book like anything that yeah. you're sitting in the theater watching when this came out and you're confused about you just turn to your friend yeah yeah your potter buddy is there telling you that's because this happened in the past and blah 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 right. like right and I then feel you're like, like oh i'll read the book that's yeah. what happened to me <laughs> it worked yeah exactly man well and then the thing is too is you got to think like if all that you've done is watch the movies the last time that you've seen Voldemort in the first movie was in the back of a guy's head. Yeah. In the second movie, he was a hunky boy ghost in a book. Right. In the third movie, he's Sir not appearing, of course. Yeah. And then in this, he's like a fucking aborted fetus guy. Right. <laughs> that should be a pretty big deal that he has corporeal form and he seems to be back, but that's pretty underplayed, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's just not, yeah, it's not the focus of the film. Uh, it's it's not even really on the radar most of the time. That yeah. you know, yeah. I I I think it. Yeah, it's focused on the Triwizard Tournament. It's focused on that extremely long dragon scene. <laughs> it's just so long. It's very long. It takes up so much of the movie, dude. Yeah. What do you think about Rafe as Voldemort, though? This is the first time we get to see him as uh, the yeah. Dark Lord. Um, I like him. I. He's he's so like theatrical about it, but like I think that actually fits with the way Voldemort's written. Mm-hmm. Voldemort seems like one of those narcissistic theatrical type of guys. I see that. Yeah, where yeah, he would really 
really chew the scenery if he were a real person. So I think that he's doing that uh, from a reading of the book. I wish he was a little more, I don't know, he's menacing, but he's not, he's not really intimidating to me. I know what you mean. There's something yeah. about it that I got to admit, I've never really liked the way that Voldemort is characterized right. in the fourth movie on. Like, I thought that even in the first movie, even though the CG was kind of, you know, millennial right. crap, like, the way that his face looked in the back of dude's head, I thought looked pretty cool. But there's just something about the way that I think his face looks that I've never exactly loved. Yeah. Like, I can never ignore the fact that this is clearly a guy who has had his nose removed in CG. Yeah. And and also, too, this is just a minor a minor critique, I guess. And, and maybe I'm totally off base from the book's description of Voldemort. I can't remember. Um, for one, there's constant, constant reminders that Voldemort speaks in a high, cold voice. Like, yeah. I always imagine Voldemort's voice as being like a high whisper. You know, like, yeah, like, like he's doing early in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but when he's like, like doing that Voldemort. weak sort of voice. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and like he, even his physique is so, I mean, Ray Fiennes, he's a dude. Like he's got a man yeah. body. Yeah, I always imagine Voldemort would be more thin and wispy or something. Uh, I actually think now that like I think about it a little bit that Eddie Redmayne might be able to play the role well. I think oh. he has the physique, the physique and and sort of weird look that I always got from reading about Voldemort. That hmm. Voldemort, I like. Ray finds his features are too pretty, maybe. Right. And he's also, to me, just too old. Like he he looks yeah. like an aged yeah. man, and to I me, mean, Voldemort should have a sort of. Like, let's even say, like, elf-like quality, like the elves in Lord of the Rings, where it's just like, they don't age. Because he's Voldemort. He is literally flee from death. He has spent right. his entire cursed existence trying to flee from death. So I always just kind of imagined he would be stuck in a eternally ageless sort of state rather than looking like a grown-ass man. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, I mean, he is... He is... How old is he when he starts making his... Horcruxes. He's like sixteen or seventeen, right? I think so. Yeah, maybe maybe yeah, younger that, when he kills that kid out in the cave and stuff. I think it's younger than that. I think he's more like yeah, thirteen or something. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. So like, yeah, it would seem like he he would come back more youthful. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I I never. I always just thought of him as uh like hideous. But not like I never really thought about his age. Yeah. But yeah, there there'd be no reason why he would. Eh, I don't know. I I I will just agree that I think Voldemort could be played better by someone else, for sure. Not that Ray Fiennes does a bad job. It's just I don't think he he just doesn't. He's not the Voldemort I was imagining reading the book. Yeah, me too. And maybe he is exactly what other people were imagining, maybe, and this maybe. is just an yeah. us problem or something. But yeah, and maybe he's I, an I'm amazing still hoping. Actor. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm still hoping that one day we get a full-on BBC series. Oh, that'd that be takes great. Years to complete and is done just like the books and stuff. I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon, though. No, not considering. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know what, Steve? Uh, this is this is what leads me to say once again: this is why you never get 
a tattoo devoted to a certain creator nope. of content that you like until don't do they it. are dead. Just, just don't. don't do it. Don't ever do it. I, I don't. I've talked about it before. There was, uh, you know, the, the, the Pepe the Frog comes from a comic strip that is in no way alt-right at all. Yeah. And there's a, a Key and Peele sketch where he's playing, like, the, the, the fat, nerdy character that he played. Wendell, I think is his oh, name. Oh, yeah, dude. And Look. in the background, there's the, the Pepe the Frog, but this was, like, pre-alt-right thing. It's like, yeah. you could have had a tattoo of that frog before the alt-right took it, and now you've got an alt-right tattoo. Like, Yeah. Dude, it's know. like, seriously, imagine being alive in, like, the 1930s and 40s and, like, Maybe you've gone on some kind of like big spiritual quest in Nepal right. or something like that. You've seen the symbol of the swastika and you're like, this defines my oh, life. Beautiful. I'm going to get this yeah. tattooed on my fucking right hand. Yep. And then Hitler comes along and you're like, God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think always best to go with something that some idea you've come up with on your own and you've talked with your tattoo artist about and had them draw something up. Don't don't just it, you never know what's going to happen. You, you never, never know. know. Yeah. And that being said, I know that there are people right now listening to this that have a cool Deathly Hallows tattoo or something like yeah, that. And I would awesome. I would advise them yeah. to to, you know, stay stick with what uh, Daniel Radcliffe said where he's like, yeah. "Don't lose the things that made these books special to you yep. and the significance and morality you found in them just because of this person's statements. Keep the meaning alive in your heart, y'all." Yeah, absolutely. Don't don't lose the good things that you've gotten out of this, but you know, I I see no reason to step in and argue for JK. Yeah. Uh, I see keep seeing that on Twitter, people stepping in and arguing with like to try to be like she's she's done so much and it's like, well, you can do so much and then turn. Like you you don't you don't get uh to do good things for a little bit and then be an asshole and it's okay. Yeah, it doesn't really erase those things works. like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, let me ask you this too, Steve. So in the movie here, the intro is very different from the book. Now, of course, in the book, we have the intro scene with uh, the housekeeper and all that jazz. But right. then we're treated to Harry being back at his usual place, back at the Dursleys. Uh -huh. And there's a very entertaining Wait, no, scene. He, he's not at the Dursleys, is he? He's in the book. The oh, in the book. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah. And the Weasleys come and like pick him up, and it's super right. entertaining because like they're trying to use the phone, they're trying to like right. mail letters, all that mm -hmm. is like really funny, and that sort of ends up with the whole ton tongue toffee uh, scenario there, where uh, you know we're, we're kind of getting hints that the uh, that the twins, the Weasley twins, are going to start their joke shop. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, what's his name Dudley becomes yet again another victim of that. In the mm -hmm. movie, we just start off at the burrow, and personally, I just kind of think that's okay. I know a lot of I'm people are like, oh, man, it. I missed yeah. the intro, but to me, even I remember when I was reading the books, I got to this point in the books where I was like, okay, he starts off at the Dursleys. They really hate him. It's going to be a struggle to get to school this year, and then, let's see, some sort of you know, heinous charm is going to be inflicted on the Dursleys, because in the first one, it was the pigtail. Yeah, and, and then we had the you know Marge blowing up like right. a balloon thing, and yada yada yada. It's just kind of like getting to the point where it's like, okay, and something bad's gonna happen. I get it. The uh, Dobby dropped the uh, the pudding on dude's head at the house party and stuff. Uh -huh. So at this point, I was kind of getting bored of that routine anyway. So to me, them starting off at the bar at the borough, I was kind of fine with. How do you feel about it? Yeah, 
fine with it. I, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I, uh, I don't, I don't enjoy the concept that the wizards are so detached from the regular world that they just don't get it. Like, it doesn't make sense because so much of the regular world would be a convenience to them. Hmm, yeah. I, I mean, I get you've got the flu network, but guys, phones, way easier. Pretty you easy don't to have do it to stick way. your head into a fireplace. <laughs> How do you like that effect of of Sirius's face it's in the terrible. fireplace? By the way, you're not it's into terrible. it. It's yeah, terrible. Because it, it, it's nothing like it's described in the book, and then it's just also like uh, it doesn't look great. I I think it's kind of neat, but then at the same time, it is nothing like the book, and also you can't really tell that that's Gary Oldman, and also like. Yeah. His voice sounds all fucked up. He's like, eh, eh, yeah, eh, like I'm burning alive in charcoal right now to tell you this. Or more like, <laughs> uh, I couldn't come into the recording studio. We're doing this over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so just doctor yeah. the audio up or something. Yeah. And make literally it like phoning it fire. in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and Sirius Black is very, very underused in this too, because he's basically there basically just to feed more into red herring fodder yeah. of warning him about Barty Crouch and Igor Karkaroff. Karkaroff yeah. in this needlessly shady. What the fuck are yeah. they doing with that guy? Uh, I don't know what they're doing at all with the whole thing. It's it's <laughs> like they it's the it's like someone was like, I vaguely understand what Eastern Europe is. It's like Germany, right? Okay, like, here's a problem too. <laughs> So whenever whenever uh, Dumbledore is introducing the schools, which let's we'll talk about those school intros here in a second, he welcomes Durmstrang as our friends from the north. Right. What is north of the UK? Are they coming from fucking Greenland? Uh, What's they, happening? Yeah, they, they would have to be going. Yeah, coming from some far north city in Russia is what I assumed, or okay. uh, fin Finland perhaps. I don't know where Durmstrang is supposed to be located, though it's a. A German name. Europe, uh, I guess. They're just European. Yeah, that's it. It's vaguely European and then very specifically French. Like, yeah. that's how they did yeah. Durmstrang and Bobata. But like, what's with Karkaroff, dude? There's this one scene in there I, where, yeah. like, the, the whole movie, you're getting these warnings about his past and how he was a death theater, blah, blah, blah. And then there's that one scene where they specifically show, after they've announced the goblet and the rules and all that jazz, remember he sneaks into the goblet room late at night looks around to make sure nobody's watching, closes the door behind him, and then the next day Harry's name is drawn. What yeah. the fuck was going on there? Why even show us that? Because that clearly yeah, didn't lead no to Harry's name getting put in. scene at all. What the, was he doing in there? Uh, jerking it, probably. <laughs> it's just like, it seems like a good quiet place to go yeah. and have a jerk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, jerk off into the goblet. Maybe he's got a thing. <laughs> he loves, you know, he's he's a he's a pyrophile. He's yeah. sexually attracted to fire. Oh, that's a <laughs> lot of fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just want to jizz on that goblet. Yeah. I yeah, I don't, I don't know. They, there's no there's not much characterization of Karkarov or Victor Crumb. Dude, or, Victor Crumb has two lines in the whole movie. Yeah. He speaks twice. Yeah. Uh he dances a good bit though, so that's fun. Yeah, he cuts it up. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, how about how about this? Speaking of Victor Crumb, 
How do you feel about the way that this movie handles the Quidditch stuff, which is to say there is none? Uh, I'm actually cool with it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> the Quidditch only matters one time, and that's when the Dementors attack Harry during the Quidditch game. Right. Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, I mean, yeah, you could do without Quidditch. I understand why it's in the books. You really are establishing the life of the students and stuff, and it makes for a much more interesting world. But in the movies, you could just cut it for yeah, every one right? of the movies, except for the one. I think so, too. Like, I know a yeah. lot of people were kind of mad that there's this whole buildup about the the Quidditch World Cup in the intro, and then, like, just as the match is about to start, then we just cut back to them in the tent. But I'm like... That's fine. This is like a two and a half hour long movie. Well, yeah, Ultimately, who wins the match doesn't affect the fucking story. Actually, though, yeah. you know what? In the book, it kind of does because there's the people yeah. that are putting the bets on the tournament and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, the, I think what a lot of people have trouble with in that is just how clunky it is. It, it goes from like setting up this gigantic World Cup and showing us this like huge stadium and then it's like and hey, now we're in the tent singing songs like yeah. it's just like so clunky like you don't even have to have the quidditch but it's like uh, do you even have to show us all the other stuff then like do we that's need... kind of the thing yeah yeah it seems like the world cup could have probably been cut out because ultimately all that happens at the end is that the camp gets ransacked somebody casts the dark mark but that's not even really all that important in no. the movie. No, but yeah, in the movie, it's not important at all. The, yeah. The, the, you could have just set that up in a different way in the I movie. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, and here's the thing that's kind of bothersome too, and I guess it's the same way in the book, but like you're shown that this entire camp of wizards out here for the World Cup is like ginormous. And of course, we all know they're packing their wands. Like 10 Death Eaters show up and everybody fucking flips out and runs yeah, screaming I, nobody I tries understand. to fight back yeah they are the these death eaters are not like better at magic than everyone are they are are the death eaters seriously just the only people who tried at magic because <laughs> they it got really real good seems, at it it really seems like in this magical world nobody's trying except for hermione i just don't <laughs> understand <laughs> i that's true like, you, I think about, oh, I can do magic shit. I want to know everything. Like, the only people who seem to want to know everything are the evil people. As I've said it before, only two people can fly without the aid of a broom. And they're both mm. evil for some reason. Because <laughs> they got like, good at what they're there to do. Fuck. What's wrong? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, you know what? I'm just going to have to snap into something right here a listen closely gym? see if you can hear this over the distance okay. it's not a okay. slim gym it's a ooh, oh it's a cracking cold beer <gasps> that sounds it's delicious. also from my gift basket from Lindsay and thomas this is just oh, yeah? a good old-fashioned rogue dead guy ale i'll tell you this steve i have enjoyed myself over over the past several years and months and especially here during quarantine a bevy of delicious IPAs that taste like every fruit under the sun. The other night yeah. I had a uh, a untitled art chocolate milkshake. No, it was a chocolate ice cream stout. That was unreal. Damn. Tastes like a fucking chocolate milkshake. But you oh, know what awesome. is still good? What's that? Beer that tastes like beer. 
That's true. Beer's In a fact, good flavor. It's one of my favorite. It's a great flavor, and a yeah, road dead like guy is just flavor. kind of a it's just kind of a good beer tasting beer with an extra little punch. It's got a six point eight ABV, oh, a yeah? forty IBU. Solid. Let's just go ahead and let's get a little sippy sip in here. Maybe maybe What's you got like all, a Merle bro? Haggard tune on on deck for me, maybe while I get a little sip of this thing. I'm drinking alone, man. Maybe you got a Thargood for me. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I drink alone. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, nobody else. <laughs> and you know what? Guess what? That tastes really good. That's just a good old yeah. I had it in a long beer. time. I'm okay with it. It's really good on tap. It's better on tap than it is yeah. in a can. But this tastes to be a good freshy, and also like their their can design and art and stuff like that. So. I like that. Yeah, I I haven't had it in in years. Yeah. I would say I need to try me a dead guy again. It's a good. I old do remember beer. it tasting like a beer for sure. Very beer-like on the palate. I'm uh-huh. going to say I detect hints, notes of beer. Notes of beer, yep, yeah. for sure. Aftertaste, very ale-like. Mm, yes, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> Just like you would expect. All right, Steve, <laughs> let's talk about those other schools, because one of the cool things about the book is that it expands the wizarding world beyond Hogwarts. Yes. Like it introduces you to this concept that, like, oh, yeah, there's wizards all over the world. There's other schools throughout Europe and the rest of the, uh, of the planet educating kids about the ways of magic. And in this uh, film, we are introduced to Durmstrang and Bobaton. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems that they are gender-segregated schools <laughs> right. for, for reasons. I, yeah, for some reason in the movie, they decided that all of the Durmstrang would be boys and all of Bobatons would be... I said Bobaton. My wife will be upset. Because <laughs> uh, that's, how, that's how Dumbledore says it. He does. I know, right? I was like yeah. Bobaton, right? Like Blue yeah. Wand in Which French, is exactly right? how it would be pronounced. Bobaton. But no. <laughs> Bobaton. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Why are they all girls in the books? They very specifically are uh, boys and girls in both schools. It's a strange choice, I think. Yeah, and then Durmstrang is just a boys' school, I guess. Yeah, it's just, it's weird, because it then makes you, if you're not reading the books, it's like, okay, so in this world, in that country, only girls are witches? Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand what's going on there, and why they did it that way. I've got so many questions about these other schools that I want to get to as well, Uh but first, I also got to address the fact that in this year in the Harry Potter universe is where all the kids get horny as fuck (laughs) right um and ben let me just tell you here's another problem i have (laughs) that i think i know what it is already okay so in the harry potter universe the boy there's a charm on the stairs for the girls side of the co-ed dormitories that keeps the boys, slide. Yeah. Yeah, keeps the boys from walking up there and fucking. Yeah. But th- it's not the same. The girls can go up into the boys' bedrooms easily. Right. The the concept JK is presenting is essentially girls don't want to have sex. I think that that's what I get. I mean, I understand that there's a little bit of just like playful like, oh, they mature much faster than boys and would make better decisions, which is true. But True, they also, they also want to fuck. Duh. I, if, 
uh, also the idea uh, it's, the better decisions idea has to be thrown out the fucking window that that because young girls mature faster they make better decisions because okay, yeah. i went to too many i went to school with too many girls who had babies at 15 yeah they made decisions and those decisions weren't mature because they were 15. <laughs> so these girls aren't going to not go fuck. There's no reason why they wouldn't. It's just ridiculous. It puts out this concept that women don't have a sexuality. The only person who shows sexuality is moaning Myrtle. <laughs> oh, that nasty, nasty piss freak. Yeah, moaning Myrtle. Ben, Pee on me, boys, please. Let me just ask you a question. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and admit out loud, if I were a 14, 15-year-old boy and there was a horny ghost, it would take me exactly two seconds to decide to fuck a ghost. <laughs> and a Nicole Smith style. Yeah. And <laughs> if it sucked, I wouldn't do it again. And if it was awesome, I would hang out in that bathroom and fuck Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> what would be the downside? <laughs> Can you get a ghost pregnant and make ghost babies? Okay, I now don't that, know. if that did happen, I can see there might be a downside because I'm assuming <laughs> any uh, child from uh, you know a living human with a dead person is probably gonna be evil. This is definitely a Rob Zombie song, right? Oh, for sure, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> ghost baby, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something about a car. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah, the horniness that is so muted in the movie that is there in the books, but it's still kind of definitely muted because yeah. it's for kids. Um, it, I, it just seems like there would be so much fucking happening and at the very least there would be one to two abortion scenes in the next few books i was gonna say this totally leads to something that kevin smith and scott Mosier talked about on their incredible harry scotter episodes that they did on smodcast oh, yeah? where they talked about the very real uh, possibility of a spell called Aborticus that happens oh, in the Potter universe. Aborticus, Why wouldn't you know you? it's happening. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> that would make all the sense in the world. Yeah. So I I just yeah, I, I don't know, man. It I get that it's for kids, but erasing uh all of the female characters' sexuality is not a positive message for girl readers well i don't know that they exactly erase the female sexuality in the movie considering the intro that the bobaton school oh, girls right. make. steve uh -huh. i just like to impose a little bit of improvisation on you uh -huh. right here are you ready yeah. just a little yeah. bit of yes and play right here let's do it let's do it i'm just trying to imagine if i was a bobaton school girl and uh -huh. you were madame maxine yeah and we were having a conversation about what would happen when we arrive at hogwarts yeah. and i was like Oh, madame, how should we act upon arriving at the Hogwarts? Well, you you want to make all of the men horny. <laughs> Just very horny. We, 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 uh-huh. Yes, you're going to want to run in and <laughs> probably just uh, each of you pick a boy at a table and, and kiss toward him. And go, ah. <laughs> ah. 
Maybe we are making the little butterflies come out oh, from our bodies. Oh, definitely, definitely. Wee, wee, wee. And also, as you run, don't worry. The camera guy is going to show us your little butts. Like <laughs> your, it's like not weird. Like 14-year-old butts. <laughs> like it's not weird at all. Like, I get that they're trying to show that this is what Ron is watching. Right. I understand. And, like, the way that but... Ron is totally head over heels for the girls in the book is very funny. But it's right. like watching... What you know mm-hmm. is maximum 16, 17-year-old girl ass yeah. on screen in a movie in a very a fawning weird. over it kind it's of perspective weird. from the camera. It's kind of weird, right? Yep. Yep. It's weird. <laughs> yep. They could have just not shown us that that shot. Just cut that so. shot and we'd be fine. It would not be weird, but it's weird. And maybe not make the Bobaton girls walk in like just a bunch of fucking... <laughs> Just sexual objects. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah uh, it's, like they literally uh, moan. <laughs> here we are moaning. Uh, We're so yeah. horny to be at your school. Uh. Well, I mean, <laughs> and then the Dermstrang guys come in with their <gasps> gigantic fucking dicks, just like <laughs> pounding them on the ground, making <laughs> yeah. <"Hoo!"> noises. <laughs> <laughs> <"Hoo!"> <laughs> <laughs> and then that would get <laughs> like he break dances a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's my dancing prowess. Now sex. (laughs) (laughs) That was always one of those things, like from day one that I watched the movie, when I watched those intros of the schools, I was like, man, this is fucking lame. Like, who watching the edit of this movie was like, this turned out great. Uh, I don't know. I do not know. But they did make a wise choice in editing, speaking of lame things, at the Yule Ball. Oh, the Yule Ball. Oh, the Yule Ball. (laughs) The Yule Yule Ball, ball. Steve. But the Yule Ball. (laughs) The Yule Ball. Now, what could you possibly have to say about the Yule Ball that's not positive? Come on. Okay, okay. So, I I, I like the look. like the aesthetic of the Yule Ball, for sure. And, uh, you know, they got that band that's mentioned in the book, the Weird Sisters. The Weird Sisters, dude. They fucking jam. Boy, don't they. <laughs> it's too There's bad a- to hear the full song. You have yeah. to watch the deleted scenes because they filmed the whole song. The entire <laughs> song, like a music video. And <laughs> I recommend watching it with like all the preparation for uh, maybe two to three hours of cringe. Yeah. Just stuck resonating in you as you think about it. It's, <laughs> it's bad. Like... The song is ridiculous, and I get that, but like, I it makes sense when it's just like a quick snippet that we get in the movie. It's like, oh, ha, 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 that's a funny joke that somebody would make that. But the, if you see the whole song, you suddenly start to ask a lot of questions like, why do they need a microphone? Okay, you know what? That is a decent question. Yeah, it seems like they could do that thing that they do, you know, at the Quidditch yeah. World Cup where you just amplify your right. voice. So why, yeah, why, why the microphone? Okay. If you yeah. see the full video, you know, he's holding what looks like a long sort of maybe wireless microphone, but then he takes the top of it off and sings into that while just holding what looks like just a stick. I did not notice this. <laughs> Like the top of like a staff that is the microphone. Then he just takes that part off. Yeah. So, but that thing was never stuck. It wasn't like part of a mic stand. 
Hmm. I, That's a little curious. I'm not really sure what that was about. Okay. Also, um, they they have what look like I guess the exact same thing as the microphone that are I guess their their amps, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. There's mm. like a huge array of stuff behind them. Yeah. Now aesthetically, it looks cool, but I'm questioning why <laughs> they again can't just do a charm on like like it. Okay. These guys, those instruments, they... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> There's just so many questions. The, okay, Johnny, what's his name from Johnny Radiohead. Greenwood from Radiohead yeah, is in is this playing, movie playing guitar. Playing guitar. <laughs> the guitar has three necks of various yeah. sizes for oh, some yeah, reason. It's rock. It's fucking cool, dude. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is that a wizard instrument? Or is he... Is he a muggle-born who was like, oh, you guys are going to love the guitar? Like, this is... <laughs> what is this world? What's happening? I just don't understand. <laughs> they no, Okay, we hear about the Weird Sisters in the books, in the, in the movie. They don't even name them, but in the books, we hear about the Weird Sisters... And it's like, oh, okay, so there's a whole, like, pop culture thing in in which world? Yeah. Nobody ever fucking talks about it. And all ever. that they ever sing about is just wizard stuff. Like, the lyrics in this yeah. song name drop, like, every magical creature in the whole universe in, yeah. like, two verses. So then I'm like, what are the rest of their songs about? More wizard stuff. <laughs> Dance like a hippogriff like, again. Spin yeah. around like a crazy elf like you did the last song. Do you think their music is just perpetually stuff stuck in like 50s top 40 area where it's just oh. like, oh, this is all the same song over and over. I gotcha. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty limited subject matter in those. They pro uh, there's rock probably bands. a song like, come on, baby. Do the hippogriff. <laughs> like that. I yeah. put a spell on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense, of course. Uh, shake it up, baby, now. Like a witch. <laughs> okay. Witch there and shout, go. huh? Witch and shout. That's it. <laughs> witch and shout. <laughs> Dude, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I've spoken many times about that very specific type of embarrassment that they yeah. have a word for in in mm -hmm. the japanese language where you just feel sympathetically embarrassed when you watch somebody doing yeah. something that's extremely fucking lame that yeah. is definitely how i feel when i watch that scene yeah and i i don't i i get why they deleted it i don't know why they shot it in the first place, though. Yeah, That's my yeah. question. Like, That's true. That shows you the level of decision making that went into this, right? Yeah, like because it it seems obvious. Like, oh, that's a stupid idea. Let's not <laughs> shoot all of that. Oh, we're gonna shoot all of that with. There's like 50 actors on set. Some of yeah. them are like the, the actual like primary fucking actors. They're being paid for this. Warwick Davis. Why? <laughs> legendary Warwick Davis is crowd surfing. Yes, come on. <laughs> what? Every time that I see something in a movie or a TV show where like they're singing and performing some like extremely fucking stupid song. Yeah. 
I always imagine like the people that are there in the real life, like recording studio, uh-huh. like recording in the vocal yep. booth. This guy's got that the headphone cans on his head and mm-hmm. he's singing at the mic and he's like, That's around like a crazy elf. <laughs> then they listen back and he's like, Was that a keeper? Was that let's do another one. That's right, around like a crazy elf. <laughs> Jarvis, we're gonna need you to yeah, put some more like uh, on the crazy. Dance uh, around like a crazy elf. Yeah, there we That's go. That's the one. All right. That's what we're going for. I bet they got that <laughs> same guy to coach Voldemort on how to say Crucio. Crucio! Crucio. <laughs> That's how he says it. Crucio! Why? Sounds like he's <laughs> that Mario. Really always just <laughs> And there's like the most generic like like electrical sound yeah. effect when he casts it too. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad, dude. They should have had like Harry scream with like a Wilhelm scream whenever he gets hit with that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that just been all amazing. the stock sound effects. Yeah. Then like, <laughs> just a rusty gate closing for some reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, that's the thing too with like the whole ball scene. It's like, okay, in the book... It's like everybody kind of ignores Hermione as a potential date because she's the bookish one. And then she has right. that she's all that moment where her teeth get fixed and yeah. she kind of tames her hair a little bit. She shows up and she's gorgeous. The mm-hmm. thing is that like Hermione through the course of the movies has been a, a totally normal looking, like you know, right. very, just pretty young lady. So it just makes time. no sense. It's like, so you guys just didn't notice your friend's hot? Yeah, That's what, weird. What? Yeah. Yeah. So her like showing up in the movie and being like, wow, she's wearing this beautiful pink gown or whatever. That's yeah. That's what makes men notice. They're like, ah, the gown. Now I see. Now I see (laughs) a lady. (laughs) And of course, you know, we get Harry and Ron that join up with the, uh, the Patel twins, Uh um, JK Rowling, having her incredible gift of naming ethnic characters after (laughs) the most generic names possible. Yeah. Possible. It's what like, what are Indian we, people what named? All the Patel. white characters are named Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, let's see. What's a Chinese character name? I don't know. Chang. Right. There you <laughs> like, go. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing with the Patel sisters is that they, very much like the Weasley twins, talk in unison. All twins yeah. talk in unison in That's not, this world. Not a thing I've noticed with real world twins. I don't think so. Maybe no. we're wrong. I, my Let wife is a twin. Oh yeah, that's right. And, she is. Yeah. How often do have, they talk in unison? Come on. I've. I don't think I've ever seen them talk in unison unless they were both quoting a movie or something. <laughs> Maybe they do it all the time when they're alone. They just don't. Probably. Show it off to you. Yeah, they probably do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole ball is is pretty pointless. Honestly, there's not really. A lot to that. And I think the Weasley twins in this are, I think that they're fine. They're a little out of character with some of the like, little fighting and stuff. And yeah. I wish it would have shown their aspirations to have their joke shop and stuff. Because that, that's a yeah, big thing that they leave out here that is, is that Harry takes his winnings them. from winning the tournament and gives, and it, gives to them. it to them. Yeah. Yeah, because the Weasleys is, are poor. Yeah. does which, which movie do they actually show it? Is the fifth or sixth one where they actually show their... Well, the fifth is when they like leave the school in the dramatic right. fashion. Yes, yes, yes. So the sixth one, they actually do show that they they open the place, right? And yeah, like so, yeah. it's like not even answered as to how that happened in the because that that it's a pretty it's a pretty big jump to go from dropping out of school to having uh one of the few storefronts on the Wizard Alley. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and two, yeah. like, I really like that it shows that even though the Weasley twins were kind of the miscreants and never really, you know, paid attention to their studies and stuff, they found a good yeah. way to use their yeah. skills and abilities. And yeah, they're actually good at magic. It's they're just not good at school. Right. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a uh, yeah, the the Weasley's story was a pretty good like uh tale of like, oh, it's not all just school. It's I, I think that's a cool lesson for kids to learn that yeah, to cut that out is is weird. Now, let me it, ask it's, you this. It's small. Like yeah. they basically could have just thrown it in there and cut out 5 minutes of the the dragon stuff later. Okay, the dragon stuff. Let's just talk about let's talk about that and some of these challenges real quick since you just brought it up. Okay. So, how about whenever Harry is battling that dragon, that thing breaks loose, goes off chasing Harry, a student at the school, around. Uh-huh. At, at this point too, it's like Dumbledore knows he's the chosen the chosen one. It must be protected and all that kind of shit. Nobody even lifts a finger to try to intervene. Right. Like you you think that there'd be people like on brooms trying to chase that dragon down immediately, but they're like, Well, we'll just wait here at the stadium. I mean, this pans guys, out, it's I guess. the tri wizard tournament, so yeah. We gotta follow the rules. All right. I mean, it's no big deal if Harry dies. Oh it <laughs> oh it is. It is oh, a big deal. Oh it is. Oh. That's what oh, that's what like so much of our work up to this point has been about protecting him. Huh. Maybe we should protect him now when we see him in actual fucking danger. <laughs> yeah. And even though a dragon is actually chasing him around the school and destroying the property and the rooftops and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's just stay here, wait it out, yeah. see what happens. I think, though, I mean, to, to be fair, I think the Wizarding World, like, danger and uh destruction in the wizarding world have less of an impact when you really can just fix things with the flick of a wrist i guess so i guess so not like, human life though <laughs> you cannot return a human life you can you can fix like any damage caused or whatever but you can't you cannot return his life so like what were the precautions they put in with the dragons like because they said that they put in a bunch of precautions so that nobody would die for the tournament. Like, it seemed like with the dragons, there were zero precautions. It was just, well, we'll put him on a chain, and if he breaks that, uh, I don't know, fuck. Hey, it'll be fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. It's a chain. Chains don't break. <laughs> I don't fucking get it. And then, okay, here's one that I really have a question about. That second task, right? Uh-huh. Where not only are the champions themselves putting their lives in danger by being asked to right. go underwater and possibly drown to death, but also, too, right. like your best friend or sibling's life is in danger, too, because we're right. chaining him up underwater and just yeah. hoping you find him. Imagine, dude, I, you are just a young Hogwarts student just trying to yeah. fucking go to school. And, like, the day of the second task, you know, maybe one of the teachers or something like that at the school taps you on the shoulder, and you're like, oh, hello, Miss McGonagall, how are you today? And she's like, I'm doing fine. Um, I want you to know that you're Harry's best friend. He really cares about you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great to hear. 
Also, you're maybe going to die, and then they press gang you, (laughs) I guess, slip you a roofie or knock you unconscious or something, and fucking put you underwater. The next thing you know, you're waking up being dragged to the surface, gasping for air. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And and then the uh, one person who reacts appropriately to what could only be the knowledge that your little sister died it's like oh, no one was ever in any real danger sure like sure. wait what <laughs> so you just put me through the entire emotional roller coaster of thinking that my sister died because i, I failed? failed the task and my little sister drowned to death oh cool thumbs up <laughs> what's the next task you okay. fucking ass Let's talk about that specifically because, yes, Flora's little sister is her, you know, person she's supposed to go save underwater. Now, this brings me to a very interesting question that I must ask of the movie and the book both, because that is what happens in the book. Considering that you can only enter the tournament if you're age 17 or older. Right. Why did the other schools bring underage kids to Hogwarts this year. That's considering they can't even compete in the tournament. Why? Yeah. Because they obviously didn't bring all of their students. No, no. It's just like fucking 15 people from each school. And they're like, well, we will need some of you to be cannon fodder for the tournament and risk your lives. I hope (laughs) that your champion does you well. To be put underwater or something. (laughs) Who knows? Excuse me. What? I'm staying the fuck home. Also, one big question I have about all of this. Is the Triwizard Tournament a matter of utmost secrecy and there's zero history about it? Because it seems to me at any point, Hermione would have been like, well, looks like in the Triwizard Tournament, they seem to um, take your friends and put them underwater and you have to survive for an hour underwater. I mean, we don't know that the tasks are the same every year. Right, but I'm sure the task would have some similarities at the very <laughs> like the least. First time. Like she, she would have to have been like, it seems like a lot of times they use your friends. Oh, yeah. oh, but it says here, you're not actually in danger. So don't really be worried about that. Yeah. Okay. Now here's another huge question that I have about this too. So these other European schools have brought along tons of students that can't even legally participate in the tournament. Right. right? And so then like with Dermstrang, for example, they bring all these kids along, all these like hunk pro athlete fucking macho looking dudes. Yeah. Victor Crumb is literally the only one that enters. Right. He's the only one that puts his yep. name in. So then they're like announcing the champions and it's like, for Dermstrang, Victor Crumb, wow! Whoa, He's the only what? one that fucking entered, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Oh, uh, speaking of things that don't make sense, reactions that don't make sense, when Dumbledore says that uh, you have to be 17 to enter, the student body is outraged. They're Someone's like, like why? This has never happened. They haven't had a Triwizard Tournament in 200 years. <laughs> they have, These kids either know everything about the Triwizard Tournament or nothing. Like, give me something to grab onto. It seems like they know nothing but they're reacting like, no, this is the only thing I've been thinking about my entire life, and I want to do this. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. They do get pretty fucking irate about it Yeah. right out of the gate, don't they? Yeah, and it's like, well, what what 
you you had no expectation this would ever happen in your lifetime. <laughs> I don't get it, man. I just don't really yeah. understand what is going on with the whole tournament thing. And then also, too, just like considering that this is a tri-wizard tournament, a competition among three different schools, one champion each school. When you're dealing with three competitors and then one school gets to have two competitors... Yeah. Man, the odds sure are the fuck unfair there, aren't they? Right. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, that is like a big part of the argument in the book, but it doesn't really come up in the movie at all. Well, the, the closest that we get to that is that we get a irrationally flip out fucking angry Dumbledore react oh. and assault Harry for it. Why I is Dumbledore so mad in this? Dude? I had this to is reread like, these parts. He is so calm in the books. Yeah, always. Yeah. This movie is like Sleepaway Camp where everybody is so fucking aggro yeah. all yes. the time. <laughs> yes. I would have loved it if somebody was like, hey, Harry, why come you why so, are you fucked, so up? fucked up? <laughs> dude absolutely so yeah dumbledore in this is the least dumbledore of all the dumbledores like there is none the worst there's none of the closeness none that that harry has with dumbledore i mean dumbledore is the closest thing he has to a dad yeah and in this he's just a yelly like aloof presence that doesn't really do much other than yell yeah like dude like even even whenever they're like announcing the tournament and stuff, and like you said, the seventeen-year-olds get all mad because they can't enter. He's yeah. immediately like, "Silence!" Yeah, like, pissed <laughs> sounding. Like that is not what Dumbledore would do. I've had enough of your fucking shit. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which is how I would be if I was headmaster. I would imagine. Well, yeah, but that's obviously. not the Voldemort that we ever read in the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Dumbledore in this is. Just terrible, just terrible. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm okay with the costuming and the look and the voice and all that stuff. I think that, uh, ah, shit. What is that guy's name? Uh, Michael Gaiman. Yeah, I think that he yeah. does a, a fine job. I think that he's good. But good lord, the writing in this is just totally yeah. off base. And I wonder if yeah. he ever read the books to realize that this is not know. fucking Gandalf here. This is Dumbledore. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if he, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't look that up. I I, w- I really would like to know because as I I believe we pointed out in the third one, uh he isn't aggressive in the third one. That's it's it's not it's it's the fourth it's really one. Not where till he this re- one. Yeah. yeah, where he becomes this like completely different character. And yeah, I mean, uh, he must it must have something to do with the writing because uh it just doesn't make sense to have him shouting everything. Mm-mm. And I don't know. He he just doesn't have he doesn't have that calming presence that he is in the book. So yeah, yeah, I think so. It, it I, I think another work. another character in this that I think is is played kind of weird, especially considering that he was such a pivotal figure at the end of the third movie is Alan Rickman's Severus Snape. Yeah, he's who is barely in this. Barely in this yeah. at, at he, all. He has like the funny moment where he pushes their heads down and stuff. Okay, like, but what yeah. the fuck is going on during that I part? don't know. They're in I the Great Hall just... where they're supposed to be eating breakfast and stuff. Yeah. Everybody's taking some sort of test. And he like shoves it, their heads down onto their onto their I parchment. Think, 
I think it's, yeah, some sort of study period or something. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think it was more of just, we haven't had enough Alan Rickman. Oh, Alan Rickman gets along with the kids. Let's have him joke around to have Alan Rickman on the scene. I guess. Yeah. But yeah. he's so underused, man. Like He, he is, is the perfect absolutely. Severus Snape. He's so good, yeah, man. Yeah, and he should be used more for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I did get a theory, though regarding severus snape while watching this yeah I okay so we know that he left voldemort left voldemort because voldemort was gonna kill uh lily lily yeah, yeah. so basically the, the sometime after july 31st 1980 he became uh, a professor at hogwarts yeah yeah but he's his real job always was to protect Harry, but I'm assuming since Harry was with his, uh, you know, his family seemed pretty protected. He pretty much had his summers off and other, other holidays. I think 1988 around Christmas, he put on a fake beard headed to Los Angeles <gasps> to Nakatomi tower. No. Yeah. And then, what we don't see is as he's as he's fallen off the building, he just flies away because Snape can fly. Oh, my God. Yeah. He's like, ah, unsuccessful. Didn't get those crew grants. Well, back to Hogwarts where I'm a teacher. Dude. <laughs> you might really be onto something here. Because they do true. look and sound very similar. They do. They have very similar look and sound. I don't know why that is. Wow. And I mean, that also explains why he could never fucking, you know, kill Bruce Willis because he didn't really know how to use a gun. He's a fucking, yeah, he's, yeah, like, he's not uh, a muggle. What, is, what do I do with this? But I'll, I'll look confident. I'll, pre yeah. I'll pretend it's a wand. That'll do it. Do you think that he like cast the, uh, what's the like mind control spell on all the, all oh, those right, European yeah. henchmen? The Imperious Curse. The yeah. Imperious Curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were all <laughs> Imperious. Yeah, those are all just good dudes. Every one of those Aww. guys was a normal everyday dude before Snape came along. And he was he like, went all right, heist time. <laughs> Snape's Vacation, 1988. Snape's Vacation, that's the name of it. He's I love that die idea. hard from the perspective of Hans Gruber, but he knows he's Snape. <laughs> <laughs> I Dude, love it. Yeah. Please give us that fan fiction. Yeah, that sounds please. awesome. Somebody. <laughs> That's a fucking great idea. <laughs> That's so stupid. I could sense the muggle in the vents, but I had to pretend like I couldn't because yeah. everybody would know I was a, a witch or something. Uh. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Okay, so let's talk about the real bad guy of this movie the guy that does the most plotting and scheming and yeah. turns all the events and emotions and yeah. stuff we you know we've got uh mad eye moody which is Old actually barty crouch jr uh, -huh. uh using polyg's potion and an elaborate plan to yeah. get harry to voldemort that yeah. makes less than zero fucking sense steve this is one of those things that again yeah. it's not it's not really just the movie's fault because and again, y'all know I love the books. You know I do. But just think about it this way. This movie, early on, and, and book, introduces port keys, these magical right. objects that mm -hmm. can be imbued with a teleportation spell that when you touch them, they take you to another place. 
Right. So Barty Crouch's entire plan is I will impersonate a Hogwarts teacher. Mm-hmm. I will get Harry entered into this tournament. Duh. And then whenever he gets to the final task, he will grab the Goblet of Fire and be transported to the cemetery where Wormtail can take his blood because they need Harry's blood specifically. Otherwise, Voldemort cannot come back, correct? Right. And that will resurrect the Dark Lord. The Dark Lord has specifically said that he will be the one to kill Potter. He has to. Nobody Mm -hmm. else can do it because obviously... Everybody else has a million chances to kill Harry, but Voldemort has to be the one to do it. Dude, did it have to be that complicated? Because here's the thing. No. Like, what if the whole thing went down and he slipped Harry's name into the goblet and stuff? First task, that fucking dragon breaks loose and fucking kills him. (laughs) Second task, maybe he drowns to death. (laughs) third task maybe he gets eaten by the maze or the blast-ended scroots or the sphinx or anything else yeah what happens then voldemort doesn't come back variables yeah 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 like voldemort doesn't get to come back because he doesn't have the blood of the chosen one yada yada right and then the whole thing is just just get his blood dude wouldn't it be easier (laughs) just to turn any fucking random object in harry's dorm room into a port key Turn his fucking quill. Turn his fucking jerk-off right. sock into a porky. I think they, <laughs> and they he grabs it and that. he's transported. I think they explain that I'm in the book a little bit better. They explain it away like that you can't a, a port key into uh, Hogwarts wouldn't work or something. Like there's, you know, the charms on Hogwarts that keep you from apparating and disapparating. Okay, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, the maze I, is on Hogwarts grounds. Yeah, and I think they they made uh you know the the maze specially so without the charm so the the port key could bring them back to where they that were. That is some back. That is some backpedaling. That is some exactly because the maze is built yeah. on the Quidditch pitch, so it is on yeah. Hogwarts grounds. Yeah. So the, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's a, it's a way of making the of forcing the plan to work, despite the fact that it wouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's just got to be an easier way. Absolutely. And definitely less of a risk of Harry dying, Cut which is off a his very finger. real threat. Like, all you need, if you need only his blood, just get his blood. Like, it, you're already in Hogwarts. You're dressed as Mad-Eye Moody. You, uh, t- you're the defense against the dark arts teacher. So you say, oh, defend yourself against this thing. And, oh, oh it busted your nose open. Here's some blood. Boom, Voldemort's back. You don't even have to tell Harry Potter or anybody else. And now you got the secret that Voldemort's back and he can build up his army without anybody fucking knowing he's around. That seems pretty good. That seems like yeah, a pretty seems good like plan. A, be- a little bit better than set up an elaborate situation in which you can finally get Voldemort in the same place as Harry Potter for some reason. Yeah, and also ensure that Harry reaches that port key before anybody else does. Like, what if Victor Crumb would have got there first? Anybody. Yeah, so they had to bewitch Victor Crumb and and Fleur Delacour, but they don't bewitch Cedric. Well, Fleur isn't bewitched in the movie. She just sucks at doing the task. Yeah. (laughs) In the movie, they're just like, oh, yeah, and Fleur sucks. (laughs) So that's why she got taken by the maze, because she's not good at this. 
Yeah, yeah, the C Cedric getting there is like, well, if Cedric had just gotten there and Harry hadn't at all, what what would they have done? Like, they set up the whole thing to just kill Cedric Diggory? Probably. I don't know. It's just collateral damage, work. you know? Collateral yeah. damage. Well, and then the, yeah. the thing is, too, is that the fake Mad-Eye Moody brings the real Mad-Eye Moody to school with him. Why didn't he just shave his head for all the hairs for the polyjuice potion? You need one hair to make a batch. Yeah. That's stated. Shave his fucking head, shave his balls, whatever you need to do, gather enough hair, then fucking kill him. Why did he keep him alive? In no a chest idea. at Hogwarts. No idea. Doesn't make sense. Right? It. Uh, I mean, yeah, There. there's a lot of... the The plan is very convoluted and would definitely make an oceans movie look simple <laughs> i agree although like i said i really do like gleason as as moody i think that he could yeah me too have been cast better i think that that guy is perfect for the part even though i i hate that they kind of robot him like when is when you're seeing his uh his uh, magical yeah. eye it's got those like weird mm focus zooming mechanical sound effects and he's got like yeah. a robo leg and stuff like uh -huh. i don't really like that i would have liked it if it was a more magical or organic kind of thing going on there yeah it's also weird whenever uh voldemort gives uh peter Pettigrew's hand back it's all like like metallic like, yeah it's like the chrome kind of hand i mean i think in the book it's like he got a silver hand or something like that but. yeah it does have this weird liquid chromey yeah, kind of look to it, it, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks kind of like a, a T2000. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it it's does. It's just a little too techy for me, the look of it. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Now, of course, Rita Skeeter in the book plays a much more major role. It yeah. is revealed that she is an animagus who can turn herself into a beetle. That's how she gets uh -huh. all the dirt on everybody. Hermione, in a very strange twisted <laughs> act captures her in a jar and i think keeps her there for years if i remember correctly uh she, rita skeeter in this doesn't do anything she doesn't she doesn't do anything in this it's i mean she's you know she's got the one scene where basically she's interviewing the kids separate in a closet which um none of them are adults uh it, it's weird for an adult to take a child separate into a closet to interview them. When you say it that way, it does Just sound odd. weird. Just <laughs> strange. So <laughs> I, to me, it stood out as, mm, I don't think that would fly. But, uh, she, you know, Miranda Richardson's so good. That, uh, she's she's very charming in the scene. It's just, yeah, they don't use her much at all. They just, we see the headlines, I guess, that she's writing. And yeah, then she shows up to take a picture at inopportune moments. It almost seems like she's in here just to be a very, like, Trumpian stab at the press. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah, just like, oh, the press is only there for the bad stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like she could have been cut out from the movie um, entirely. And I'll tell you, one cut that I did miss from the previous flicks is John Williams' score oh right uh, yeah he didn't come back for this yeah because he was busy in the first two movies i mean the, those soundtrack bits that he did are absolutely memorable i mean hedwig's theme and all those other things like you'll remember those till the day that you die right. the music in this is just very forgettable to me man like i didn't ever I, really 
notice the music. Did you get anything out of it? I think I know the reason for that. Uh, yeah? The music's by Patrick Doyle, who has done stuff where I love the music. So I know he knows what he's doing. He he's he did Ma- Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which okay. I, yeah. I think is really good. He did the first Thor, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which all of those, I, I think the music's yeah, great. Yeah, there's good. So I think he stepped in in a place where... It, you know he's being expected to do john williams thing and he was probably like i'm not john williams so here's some generic stuff you could kind of he kind of sounds like john williams just throw that in i'm not gonna go all out on this because i'm not trying to steal john williams thing yeah um yeah it's a real worked- catch-22 situation where if yeah. he just would have totally aped john williams people wouldn't have liked that then it's like yeah but if he does something completely different it's like well this is already established this is john williams like but this is what people expect yeah um yeah but he he had worked with mike newell before on other stuff so that he he was kind of brought in because you know he knew mike newell's style and stuff but yeah i think he probably was just like you know i I don't want to step on john williams toes because he's John Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it might be right. It's just very, very forgettable to me. It just blends into the background. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not much of anything for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this movie, dude, it's just, it's just one of those ones that, again, the nostalgia and just the fact that it's part of the Harry Potter universe and that it is tied yeah. to my, my favorite book. Yeah, um, absolutely. It earns it a lot of extra points. I, I definitely give it mm. a lot of, um, you know, freebie fun time watching points just for those reasons alone sure. because i know in my mind i can connect the dots and fill in the blanks of all the stuff that the movie doesn't exactly fill in but you know that's the joy of doing a podcast is you watch these movies and just try to analyze them for what they are and if they make any sense on their own and if they stand on their own as like a good story and a good watch and you know watching this movie this time yeah i even have something in my notes where i'm just like this isn't really a story. It's just a a bunch of things happening. Yeah, it's a bunch of set pieces for sure. It really, right? yeah. And I I think I think especially when we're looking at these uh, early to mid two thousands movies, we do have to remember that like the CGI took longer back then. So like you you may be in a state of pre-production back then where you're like well we want to do this in the movie and it's like well you need to get people doing the cgi now so they're already working on it you get to a point maybe in your production where you're like oh i'm not so sure about that scene well it doesn't matter if you're sure about that scene we've spent millions of dollars on it already so it's going in the movie yeah so we're having Uh, 10 minutes of dragon chase yeah so i i think yeah, I think that's uh, kind of what happens with this movie is where they ha- probably had a bunch of CGI stuff and then like the script is kind of developing and they're like, well, maybe it doesn't work, but it's like, well, we paid for it and it's going in. Yeah, you're probably right. That's probably what happened with a lot of the parts in this movie. You got any uh, any final closing thoughts about this thing? Anything else that comes to mind when you're talking about this flick? Not really. I mean, this is just, uh, it's, it's a little disappointing to no longer see this as fun. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I did th- used to think this was a much more fun movie, but now to look at it is like, it really is just a set piece to set piece, 
jump to jump of it, i mean it's so inconsistent i like the the part where uh hermione and ron show up and hermione's like ron, uh, ron dean said this to that and this and blah 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 blah. i'm not an like, owl yeah okay like it the scene is like this huge emotional whiplash where you're like oh ron's being a good guy oh hermione's mad at harry for some reason what's happening like, what what's going on here i don't understand <laughs> it's just so many of the scenes are just like well you know you know the thing from the book well is it it's the thing from the book remember like yeah. if you're watching it as a viewer it's just like i don't understand what is happening here um i i just think that it fails a lot in trying to both overreach with the story and underreach like it really doesn't try hard enough to tell a story yeah but it, it tries so hard to make what it is telling you look like a story it's like well you could have just told a story it would have been easier but i i do think that the i think cgi probably affected some of this and maybe they would have done things differently if, if they could have changed course it this it's still better than still better than two i would say i i i probably like three better <laughs> honestly and i didn't like three that much right i yeah, used to I, like I three more before we reviewed it but i i think i probably like three better than this even though it also doesn't make a whole lot of sense no not at all i wish i yeah. would remembered what i like would have rated three so i could compare this to it yeah i i don't remember what i i rated it but for for me this is man this is probably like a four four and a half like the nostalgia is still there but it yeah I just, dude i'm not enjoying it as much it was I know kind what you of mean. A, it was really a task to watch it the second time oh man you watched it yeah. twice well yeah i always watch at least twice yeah Jeez, that's like five hours of your life dude i know <laughs> i know that yeah it was it was wow. it was a task man it wasn't fun man i'm i'm right there with you where you know i i still know that the the nostalgia and just the the watchability in terms of just how pretty this movie is is definitely carrying my rating and tugging at my heartstrings a little bit uh but it is different now and that's that's not bad. I mean, it's the kind of thing where, you know, it's like the very last part of the movie where Her Hermione, in a very overdramatic, overacting fashion, is like, everything's going to change now, isn't it? And Harry's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, my perspective on these things is changing. And that is okay, actually. That is okay. That's true. You know? So, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, there's, there's things in here that I like. Again, the casting and stuff is great. The look is great. There's a lot of stuff in here that just doesn't make any sense at all. And it's not all the movie's fault. Like some of it's the book's fault too. Like the whole, you know, plot to lure Harry to the Goblet of Fire is very, yeah. very flawed. Yeah. Extremely yeah, flawed. For sure. And, um, you know, so I, I wish I could just blame everything on the movie for getting the book wrong. But it's like, actually, the movie got some parts of the book right that yep. don't really make much sense. So I can't really just blame that on the writers and directors and stuff. So I think I'm actually going to go right there with you, Steve. I think four is where I'm yeah. going to put this thing. And it's funny because going into it, I think I would have told you like seven or eight just because I've sure. had it yeah. on just and watched memory. it so many yeah. times. Yeah. But there's just a lot of problems with this thing. And uh, I don't know, man. Maybe it's also just recent events definitely tainting Maybe. my, uh, my Maybe, expectations, yeah. right? 
Yeah, it might might be coloring things a little bit, but I I don't know. I I think it really does just not stand up as well as as we had remembered. Yeah, so, yeah. Eh. I'm re- I'm really excited to get into that fifth one. You know, next uh yeah to next see June. If- Right, to see if, because uh, the fifth one I remember really liking. You love the fifth book. I remember you talking love about the that fifth a lot book, of times. And I think the fifth movie is a good adaptation of the fifth book. Because, of course, there's stuff in the fifth book you couldn't adapt in no. any interesting way. But, Mm-mm. yeah. And see, myself, like I, I really dislike the fifth book. It's easily my least favorite. And yeah. the fifth movie, from what I recall makes zero sense and the whole prophecy thing is pretty worthless <laughs> oh yeah uh, it is yeah <laughs> so i look forward to talking about that one but you know we'll see what happens maybe in a sure. year maybe my perspective will have changed maybe for the better probably maybe. for the worse probably we'll find out <laughs> now steve on the show next week what's we gonna be talking about well ben it's summer it's time to go to camp oh we're going camping Friday the 13th, part five. Yeah! What? Awesome. I'm always stoked to talk about some more Jason flicks here on the show. Always a good time. Just some fucking scantily clad teens getting (laughs) dismembered, chopped up. There's a lot of boobs in this movie. That's true. It's also got some good kills in it, for sure. It does. So that will be a fun time, as always. So be sure to tune in next week and check out our episode then. If you guys have enjoyed this here episode and want to help support the show, Steve, how do you think they should do that? Well, you could head on over to patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Guess what happens? This what happens? What? One, of two, one of two things might happen. You head over there and you're like, oh, they got Patreon exclusive episodes? <gasps> do do what? What? Oh my gosh. How much money would I need to give them? Why? Only a dollar would get me that? What? A single doll hair? Wait, but if I give them $5 a month, I can submit a movie once a month and maybe choose what movie they cover. Lord of mercy. Yep, so one of two things gonna happen. Probably both. You're, you might ejaculate. Uh-oh, I'm just out. saying, I'm warning you. These things this, do happen. It's true. So you might want to either... Uh, wear some pants you don't like or just mm-hmm. get naked. Yeah, just go ahead. Yeah. Prepare. Yeah. Put a towel down. Something. <laughs> so, yeah. Head on over there. Become a Patreon patron and uh, uh, help us decide what movies we cover. It's uh, It's been a blast so far. Every single Patreon movie has been fun. Even the ones oh, yeah. we didn't like. Yeah, it's always been fun about. just to be like, this person liked this movie? What? What is wrong with you? What the what? <laughs> we do judge you. We judge you all. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you spent $5 for this? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Let's talk about you. <laughs> so you guys be sure to tune in. Next week, we'll be having ourselves a good old time talking about some flicks, catching up bullshitting, all the stuff that we do. All the time. Once again, if you want to help support our trans brothers and sisters, consider checking out the Trevor Project, the Okra Project, or the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Hello Donate. Nova. Make a difference. Do some good do stuff. It. There's links in the uh, the podcast description thing. So mm-hmm. be sure to open up your app and find that stuff. Rate and view on iTunes. Well, it's not iTunes. Apple Podcasts. I keep saying that. How long is yeah. it going to take before I quit saying fucking iTunes? Well, they'll change it to something else, and then we'll start calling it Apple Podcasts. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> if you can rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening to it, please do. Helps us out a ton. Do it. 
And be sure to tune in next time to Dead and Lovely, featuring your good buddies, Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. We've been Dead and Lovely. You guys have been fantastic. We'll catch you guys later. Bye. Spin around like a crazy elf. I'm just dancing Dancing with myself. myself. Something about a hippogriff. Then a mummy took a shit. (laughs) A vampire did a thing. And then I jerked off on his wings. Hey, wait. Do you think Monster Mash was like a a wizard hit that was a crossover hit into into the the Muggle Muggle world? world? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes, I do. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) Bye. Bye. All right, man, I'm going to lay a hypothetical situation on you here, and I just want to know what your genuine reaction would be if you ever found yourself in this situation, okay? Hype me up. Let's do it. Okay. Let's say that you and your, your lovely, committed waifu, mm-hmm. Emily, yeah. let's say that, that you, know, you guys were just chilling. Maybe, maybe this is even over like a very you know, momentous candlelit dinner, like a fancy oh, okay. restaurant or something like that, right, and she's like, right. there's something that I really want to talk to you about. Okay. I have found my true life's purpose. I have found what I want to devote my life to. Okay. This is something I'm very excited about, and it's something that I want to share the ride with you, and most importantly, I want to do this for us. This is something I think that I can do for the both of us to make our lives better and make us successful and leave a mark on the world. Okay. Okay. And then I'm she interested. says, I want to grow the world's longest fingernails for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. What is your reaction and what do you do? One, <laughs> you're too late. It's too late too to late. start. It's too late to start. You're not going to make it. You can't do it. Oh, man, that's so, discouraging. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, I try to be very supportive and encouraging partner and friend but i will say that if if uh, if you were to say i'm gonna go for the home run record i'd be like ben it's not gonna happen it's just i mean don't waste your time it's not, not unsupportive it's realistic it's realistic okay listen if you haven't started <laughs> in your your teens you're never gonna get to that one dude the curly nailed. Remember? Uh, oh, uh, gosh. In the Guinness Book of Records. And they looked like Fritos. Just uh, gross, disgusting uh, Fritos. That are, one of them was all like corkscrew. Yeah, like an Arby's curly yeah. fry. Did we just ruin like all the best foods? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely thinking about that the next time that I eat Fritos. Thank you. Yummy. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, like if your partner no. was going for that record and like you have to sleep in a bed next to this person? Ugh. Ugh. What if we roll over on the nails? Oh, no. No. You'd wow. feel those things fucking brushing up against your ankles in the morning, dude. Ooh. Wait, has anybody gone for world's longest toenails? And what's oh, that God. all about? Howard Hughes has got it on lockdown, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a ghastly scenario. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man.
man. Oh, that would be. Oh, I don't want that to happen now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, please no. Please yeah, if no. That, if that was a would you rather, whatever the other thing is, <laughs> yeah, I anything would but that. Please, yeah. thank you.